show if you want. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Phones open as always. You can bring up absolutely anything that you want to discuss. That's kind of what we do here on Free Talk Live. And tonight, we've got a, a bit of a different crew in here. It's Ian and Jay. Jay. Hey, Jay. Welcome back. Uh, and then we have a special guest host with us here tonight, Bear Arms. Welcome, Bear. Bear Arms. Yeah. Cool. Make sure you get as close to that mic as possible. Yep. All good right. To, good to have you here. We're going to find out more about you know who you are and uh, your, your history as a... Uh, as a liberty activist, sure. Um, you were from Massachusetts originally. Is that is that right? Yeah, more or less. You yeah. see, you've escaped yeah. partially. An exodite. Yeah, yeah. you're trying to. Trying you're still to. kind right. of mired yes, in the Massachusetts yes. yeah. court system, which of yeah. course Jay is right. also a Massachusetts native, and so he has a little bit of experience with going to court in Massachusetts as well. Um, having been born, uh, Jay, with no social security number. Uh, did you, did your parents even get a birth certificate? Well, uh, so yeah, my mom definitely signed a certificate of live birth, Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I authenticated it. So I got the original one according to the authentication process. I'm the, I'm the holder in due course of that particular, uh, financial instrument, uh, (laughs) that was, that the Bureau of Vital Statistics created. But, uh, yeah, so no social security number. So that, that was, uh, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, people told me, uh, oh, you'll never get a job. You won't be able to work anywhere. And. You know, pretty much my entire life I've been turning down work. So it doesn't matter whether you got, mm-hmm. you know, a social security number or not. If you have skills, people will hire you. They don't care if they got to pay you cash, even if they really don't want to pay cash usually. So, Indeed. Uh, Barry, you've been facing some pretty ridiculous charges down in Massachusetts involving your right to, well, Bear case, Arms, bear arms right. which Correct. happens to be your, your handle or your right. username or whatever. Yeah. Um, how did you adopt that, that name? Hey, when, man, I just like bearing arms. I know, but I, yeah. when did that happen for you? Like, I think sometime about maybe one or two years into the prosecution, I figured, you know what? I'm bearing arms, and they're charging me under color of law for carrying a firearm without a license. Mm-hmm. And so we have to correct the record, right? And... Uh, the best way to correct a record is to speak the record, and bearing arms is what we do as Americans, because frankly, you're right, yeah, supposedly, it's it's the only thing that's guaranteed under the Second Amendment, right? The right to keep and bear arms it doesn't say you can possess or mm-hmm. carry a firearm, and there is a huge legal difference between carrying a firearm and bearing arms. Now, most people won't understand that. What does that mean when you say there's a legal difference? We're, we're talking about legal land, right? Where words right. that right. sound like they're the same as English don't actually have the same definition as maybe if you picked up a regular English dictionary Correct. and looked it up. That's what you're talking about here, right? Correct. Yes. And, and there, there's a couple of operative words here. First of all, the word, we'll start with the easy one. We'll start with the word carry. Okay, now most people think you're when you're carrying a gun, it means you have a gun on your hip. That's what I would think. That's what you would think. Yeah, sure. That's what everybody is expected to think. But the actual definition of the word carry, the legal definition, is the function of a carrier. It's one who carries, much like a driver is one who drives. And the constitutional definition of carry means to carry on the duties and powers and functions of a public office. I mean, let me let me get to uh, that um, by by way of explaining this through the Constitution. Okay, when you read the Constitution, right, 
you look at the words, and you have to read those words in their original meanings. Now, it says here, I'm reading from my notes. In expounding the Constitution, every word must have due force and appropriate meaning. And no word is to be regarded as unnecessary or needlessly added. That's Williams versus the United States, 1933. Okay, so we're talking about the U.S. Constitution. Oh, yeah, we're talking about the United States Constitution. But it also applies uh, because of our federalist system to state constitutions Mm -hmm. as well. Now, the Constitution is a written statement, right? Which means its meaning does not alter. That which it meant when adopted, it means today. And that's South Carolina versus United States, 1905. And then finally, words must be read with the gloss of experience of the men who framed them, okay? Because what they assumed would be carried down in the stream of history is that their words would receive the significance of the experience to which they were addressed, a significance not to be found in the dictionary. That's United States versus Rabinovitz, 1950. Get this. You can't look up that word in the dictionary, right? Which word? The words that are written in the Constitution. And we'll go over a couple of them. Okay. But first, we're going over the word carry, right? We'll also go over the word arms. Is that even in the Constitution, carry? It, it is. Okay. It's in the federal Constitution for carrying out the uh, the execution of the foregoing powers. Okay, so it's not in the Second Amendment, though. It's not in the Second Amendment. Definitely okay. not. Okay. The word in the Second Amendment is to bear. Right. The word in the uh, Constitution uh, that describes the word carry is to execute the foregoing powers. That's the federal constitution. Mm-hmm. The Massachusetts ta- Constitution talks about carrying out the public, uh, or rather the duties of public offices, to carry out the will of the people, to carry out the will of the Constitution, to carry out uh, the, the powers and duties of police officers, okay? To carry in the performance of duties. That's Mass General Laws 147, uh, Section twenty, uh, Section 8A. Hold up real quick. Yeah. When you say Mass General Laws, are you talking about actual uh, Mass General Laws or MGL? Be, uh, do you know the difference? The ma- well, uh, I don't know the difference, actually. Can you tell me? <clears throat> yeah, what, so what's the difference? If you're going to read the... Um, town charter for the town of Palmer, Massachusetts, for example. Mm -hmm. It has the uh, Uniform Commercial Code Charter. It's basically the same charter for Keene, New Hampshire. It's basically the same charter for Greenfield, Massachusetts. Uh, And and, and in this charter, uh, in the definition section, in the end, it says, MGL in all capital letters is the codified statutes of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts adopted under Uniform Commercial Code 1923, blah, blah, blah. And then it says MGL, which is lowercase m, period, lowercase g, period, lowercase l, period, Hmm. are the Massachusetts general laws uh, that are basically uh, were previous to this codified capital MGL. Because the capital MGL does not actually stand for Massachusetts general laws. It stands for basically the, um, the, the statutes adopted under the Uniform Commercial Code. And this will be in the uh, definition section of basically any Massachusetts town charter. All right. And in fact, the the the, the town charter from Massachusetts, the very far um, for the town of Palmer, the very first part, it's the same exact wording for the town charter for the city of Keene because they're all adopted under the Uniform Commercial Code. Uh, says that all inhabitants of the city of Keene are 
hereby are, are and remain as municipal corporations. And actually, that that's what it says because, uh, best I can tell, the Constitution um, is no longer in any force or effect. Uh, anytime I've been in court, and I've brought up the Constitution, especially mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, yeah. Uh, and Vermont, New York, also they've yeah. they've all told me, uh, you know, you can't talk about the Constitution. I've been threatened with contempt for right. talking about the Constitution. The Constitution has no effect here. Best I can tell, these courts are all operating under um, some kind of uh, commercial law, uh, uh, and you know this is why I've stopped identifying as the, any kind of commercial legal entity, such as a first, middle, last name, date of birth. I, I've stopped uh, using all that stuff. How do you address? Ago. How do you address yourself? Uh, I'm known as Jay Noon, uh-huh. and uh, it, and if they want a date of birth, I tell them I don't have a date of birth. I tell them I wasn't I wasn't birthed, mm-hmm. and uh, and if they want to, you know, but I, I've actually I actually had a black cop one day in Springfield, Massachusetts. One of my last uh, police interactions there, or one of my last negative police interactions in Massachusetts, and uh, he's like, "You need to sign this document, and you need to tell me your date of birth." I don't have a date of birth. And he says, you have to have a date of birth. If you don't have a date of birth, you're you're going to go to Bridgewater State Psychiatric Facility for 28 days, he tells me. God. And I says, you know, this is pretty ironic. I says, um, you tell me that I must have a date of birth, identifying as having a date of birth. And at the time, I didn't realize that, you know, a date, date of birth is only synonymous with a Gregorian timeline, uh, which is a intellectual property of the Vatican Church. Pope Gregory the Fifteenth created the Gregorian timeline. It says it's right in Wikipedia, 1543. And the timeline that was used uh, previous to the Gregorian timeline around the world was either a Julian timeline or a Hebrew timeline. So I, I like the Hebrew born day or the Julian born day. But it's none of their business when I was born, as far as I'm concerned. The reason they want you to consent to having a date of birth, because these date of birth characters essentially belong to the state and somehow, uh, best I can tell, they have some kind of copyright on them or some kind of ownership on these date of birth characters, which are generated by the Bureau of Vital Statistics, for example. And uh, so people are operating under like sort of copyright. So I believe what the courts are doing is enforcing copyright because every time I've been in a court, they've basically just totally, absolutely reject, neglect, ignore um, your constitutional pleadings, Mm -hmm. your constitutional rights. I've seen judges actually say... I don't want to hear about the Constitution in my yep. court. I've actually seen that's not just right. you know something you hear about. But I did pull up the town charter since you brought it up, Jay, just to clarify what it says. And it does say, and this is in the case of Keene, New Hampshire, which is where we're doing the show from, the inhabitants of the city of Keene shall continue to be a body politic and corporate under the name of the, quote, city of Keene, unquote, herein sometimes referred to as the city. And as such, to enjoy all the rights, immunities, powers, and privileges, and be subject to all the duties and liabilities now appertaining to or incumbent upon them as a municipal corporation. So it is essentially what you right. what you said, just with more words applied. And I think the reason why it says shall continue is because this is a city charter and it continues from the original town charter when Keene was formed back in you know the late 1700s <laughs> or whenever that was. One thing that's interesting is Henniker. The, the land that I am on, mm-hmm. and I don't say I'm in Henniker, but we'll go back to this uh, first very first part of the city of Keene uh, charter there. So I always pe- say I'm on Henniker, I'm on New Hampshire, I'm on the land. I am not in New Hampshire because New Hampshire is simply a name on a piece of paper in a filing cabinet. It's a municipal corporation. I don't believe go- governments haven't been operating, best I can tell, at least 
Well, look, so they haven't been using any money, you know, since 1933, since they stole, all, confiscated the gold, since they... You mean all, real money. Real money, right. You know, what, what, what Congress designated as money, essentially, with the Coinage Act of 1846 being, you know, a weight of silver is a dollar, and a weight of, you know, a specific weight of gold is, you know, $20, for mm-hmm. example. And, <clears throat> but so, so they, they, they've removed the money, uh, so now, like, all, things can only... I'm actually learning about a thing I learned about years ago about discharging debts and... Uh, United States Code Title 31, Section 363.3, which is a definition section. You should look up the definition of the word miner. Uh, it is very interesting stuff. Well, I'll get into that after a Miner like gold mining or miner like uh, somebody under 18? Miner as someone who hasn't claimed their, um, uh, oh, I can't remember what they call this bond. There's a certain kind of bond, I, and it says it right in this United States Code Title 31, Section 363.3, but a miner as someone who hasn't come forward and claimed their bond. Like, there's some, like, bonds were created uh, as soon as you're, you know, come out of your mom and you're in a hospital, they create these birth certificate documents, mm-hmm. which create some kind of financial instruments that I'm learning about. Now, this is pretty deep stuff here. This is very Jay. deep I mean, this stuff. Is this like, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, is like hard to prove kind of stuff right, here, right? right. Like right. It's this, very hard so, to prove. This theory about the, but if the you, bonds. But if you read the definition of minor in that section 31, 363, just read that whole definition section, uh, you will um, you will find, uh, you know, some, some interesting language. But getting back to the definition of Within a body corp body politic, you know, corporate mm-hmm. a corporate whatever. First off, the word individual is defined defined as a person, corporation, trust, association, other legal entity. Uh, in the New Hampshire statutes, it's not they do not define an individual as a man as a or human. a woman mm-hmm. or, or even a human. And I don't even like the term human being. The term human being is originally defined in 1828 Webster's Dictionary as a, a, a monster that was formerly a man. And this leads back to old English common law that government has jurisdiction essentially over drunkards, abusers, and monsters, beasts of burden. So, for example, a beast of burden would be like if my bull broke out of my pasture and got into my neighbor's, uh, you know, herd of cows and started, you know, causing a ruckus or breeding his cows, that would be a beast of burden. Therefore, he would have the ability to use government to bring an action against me for his damage, like things like that. And also, if you got people just, you know, being stupid and drunk all the time, causing ruckus and causing problems or injury or whatever, uh, government's going to come in and do something. This is sort of the tenets of old common law. Same thing with uh, humans. They have, you know, according to this old common law stuff. But back to the de- to the uh, first thing of the uh, Keene Charter, city charter, is if you claim to be in Keene, and the word in is often means within, and Keene is just a municipal corporation, so they don't say the land of Keene. Now, what's really interesting, if somebody wants to go read a town charter, which I find fascinating, is the Henniker Town Charter. So the Henniker, New Hampshire Town Charter, in the second to last paragraph, it says in the town charter, which is from 1758, which when I did a public records request for their incorporation documents or their documents, the documents they rely on that they are a Article 4, Section 4 Republican form of government or the documents they rely on that they are an incorporation or a municipal corporation, you know, 91A request mm-hmm. to the town of Henniker. They sent me back a copy of this 1758 Henniker Town Charter. Second to last paragraph says, and in no part of this charter shall be shall be constructed to be used against the private property soil of land um, or, or, or private property that, or soil of the land that is private property or something like that. Hmm. And... 
What do you think that means? Well, I think that means is that what exactly what the town charters mean. They only apply to town-owned properties. They only Mm. apply to town town employees. Well, that kind of comes back around to I think the point that Bear Arms was trying to make here. Um, Just I, I don't know if you got to this point yet, Bear, but I know that from our conversations off the air, you know, one of the things that you are arguing in court and you kind of started to touch on this, yeah. is that bearing arms is not the same thing as carrying a quote-unquote firearm. Yes. That this is a completely different legal terminology. Yep. It The regulations that are in place in Massachusetts, the laws, quote-unquote, the statutes, whatever terms that they use, the MGLs or whatever their terminology is, that they are writing these things and they are only intended to apply to people who work for the government or people who are licensed by the government to quote carry a firearm and you're saying that if you're on your own property and you are shooting uh, a gun on your own property which i believe you've allegedly been involved in uh that that should be your right and you don't need a license for that stuff am i am i correct in under understanding what you're so, saying there so a couple points uh i do agree that the constitution is barred from courts Right, and the reason they're barred from courts and about talking about them is because they do not use the terms that are in the Constitution. For example, there is no such uh, this, this bearing arms is not a controversy, so therefore bearing arms cannot be talked about in the courts. Okay, and like you were saying, they relegate their subject matter to anything that's either commercial or something like like you were saying a drunkard or someone who is causing a disturbance, and. As far as I'm concerned, I wasn't causing a disturbance, and mo- most of us, you know, libertarian types are keeping to themselves, and most of us do not cause a disturbance. And that's why we don't belong in their courts, right? There's no controversy there. And they don't like it when you talk about the Constitution because then you're saying uh, oftentimes people are misusing their words and saying, I don't need a license to carry a firearm. And when they say that, they're mixing two concepts. Right. One, one is that there is no license to bear arms, but you mm. damn well need a license to carry a firearm because carry means to carry in the performance of duties. And, that, and the reason you know this is because that's the only thing that the, that the, you know, the Massachusetts general laws talk about. Now, you have yeah. been on trial recently in regards to a particular criminal sure. charge of... Yeah. Was it carrying carrying a, a gun, a without, gun a without a license? Sure. Yeah. So you faced a jury of your quote unquote peers, right? In this case, I haven't seen the footage yet. I know it has been; it was recorded. Our yeah. uh, our yeah. co-host Chris Wade went through some difficulty apparently yeah. Yeah. with the Massachusetts court system, which, having been down there and recorded trials sure. before, is not easy to do. But he was able to get a camera into this particular hearing. Uh, at some point, that video is going to come out. And, uh, you know, was this something you presented to the jury? Were you able no, so, to? So that's the thing is you're not allowed. You're not allowed to talk about these sort of you're not allowed to talk about, you know, carrying a gun versus bearing arms. The jury never gets to hear about. Really? That, oh, okay? yeah. So yep. so so what I was able to bring out were only the things that are statutorily allowed to be brought out. Did you try and the judge I, shut you down? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you bet. Mm-hmm. They shut me down before even the whole thing started. Mm-hmm. You know, they shut me down when you submit jury instructions. They mm-hmm. shut you down when you submit motions to dismiss and, and, and so forth. They do not allow you to know certain words in the Constitution. And like I was, uh, like I was trying to say, one of the key secrets about our Constitution, was what I was going to get into, is that Congress— cannot invoke the sovereignty of the people 
to override their will as declared in the Constitution, all right? And they cannot redefine the terms in the Constitution from alone it derives its power to legislate. Therefore, there is no definition in the statute books for the word arms. Mm. However, they can define firearms. Okay? So that's the so legal that's term. the legal term that you mm-hmm. want to avoid. You don't have a firearm because if you had a firearm, then you need a license for it. What you have are arms for personal use. Hmm. Arms, by the way, that's a technical term too. Arms for the security of the free state. Arms for the common defense. Arms for the protection or rather the defense of your property. Now, each of those have a a, a Massachusetts general law statutory code. For example... Mass General Laws 62C-55A talks about arms for personal use Hmm. and how you as a taxpayer are allowed to have that with so much of your your provisions, including your fuel, your food, and your household items. Similarly, there's another term called military arms. Military arms, comma, uniform, and equipment. Okay? You're allowed to have military arms... In your house, according to Massachusetts General Laws, Chapter 60, Section 24. Now, these laws have been around since 1786. Mm -hmm. They're in the archives. You can click on a a button, you know, uh, and access the uh, Massachusetts archives and find that law. And those are those are good laws, and they've been around for about 240 years by now. What good does it do if you can't bring it up in front of a jury? Exactly, and that's the point that I wanted to make. To your audience, if you wanted to bear arms, and you want to bear arms in Massachusetts, then my move to New Hampshire. <laughs> well, no, no, not yet. I, 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 I want to stand my ground and fight, fight a little bit, you know. And, and, and you're and, doing that. We're going to continue with the yeah, discussion right, cool. here in moments. If you want to comment, and again, this isn't just about Massachusetts. Obviously, sure. that's just where you're from. There's probably similar. A lot of the you know legislation statutes are boilerplate. They they copy, they paste. They take uh, one state takes from another state, so it's probably you're going to see a lot of the same language in a bunch of different states. The number here is 603-283-6160. If you want to talk about bearing arms, it's Free Talk Live. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases. But Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges including the decentralized Maya protocol, and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. The number is 
6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio with you tonight, I'm Ian. We also have with us Bear Arms and Jay Noon. We're getting into some of the, uh, should we use the word esoteric? Uh, this is, you know, is is it hidden information? Well, you can do some digging and you can find this information uh, about, you know, what is actually in the law, what does it mean? We're specifically focusing on guns uh, or arms, arms, as they're referred to yes. in the Constitution. In state statutes, they refer to these things as uh, firearms, but they're specifically defined, apparently, according to Bear Arms, our guest here tonight, uh, defined as firearms are people are, are only carried by people who are licensed to do so in the carrying out of their duties with the state, essentially, right? Correct. And and also a few other things. For example, a firearm is defined under 269, that's chapter 269, section 11A, as a firearm with, with its um, serial number scratched out. Or another firearm would be a stolen firearm. Or another firearm might be a firearm that's at a gunsmith's office or at a uh, retail shop. Those are firearms. Remember, there's a difference between a firearm... That's just generally and arms that people keep and bear because people have a right to keep and bear arms. So that that's the great constitutional divide. Everything that's not kept and borne by a person, by a man or woman, by a people, is can be considered a firearm. Now, going back to the the idea of arms, okay. So again, we talked about sixty two C. 55A, that's uh, chapter 62C, section 55A, also chapter... This is Massachusetts? Yes, that's Massachusetts. And also chapter 60, uh, section 24, we talk about arms for personal use, arms, uh, military arms, comma, uniforms, and equipment, which which people keep along with their household utensils, bedding, and wearing apparel necessary to upholding life. That's what the original law says since 1786. And then you also have arms for the defense of his property. And that's uh, that's a hundred. That's chapter 149, section 177. These things are still there, right? They oh, haven't yeah, been they're, repealed. They're, 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 absolutely, they are mm-hmm. still there. In fact, uh, uh, give me one second. So I'll, they passed this firearm stuff much later. Much later. The, much right? later. So the, yeah. like what he's talking about, the Massachusetts general laws, I would say would be like the organic laws of uh, Massachusetts, and what's being used against him is all this statutory code. No, it, it does, it's the same, actually. It's the same. For example, they use Chapters 269, uh, Section 10, that is the um, the carrying without carrying, a, uh, carrying an unlicensed firearm against me. But they don't. what they don't say is Chapter 269, the same chapter, Section 4, allows people to be uh, bearing arms for the assistance of officers and magistrates in, ter- in in times of a riot. They're called persons in arms. Okay, Officers and magistrates may require uh, persons in arms to aid them in their assistance and to arrest persons who are causing a tumult or a riot. Okay, So we're talking about the same laws. We're talking about the same statutes. It's just that the uh, courts do not do not um, enforce some of these laws that that are on the books, and they selectively enforce the laws that are that are that are getting us in trouble, mm-hmm. right? For no good reason. 
And there's and, clear examples of that everywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, with my wife, with, right. you know, Trump, with uh, Hunter Biden. They just are very selective. You know. Selective enforcement of our laws is perhaps one of the biggest problems that we, we have going on in this in this country. And, well, it's and political. I it mean, is in, political. In every single case. Now, I want to address that problem with the, with the jury, right? The fact that we can't bring up these laws mm-hmm. with the jury, right? Now, imagine this. Imagine that I had a arm on me. But before I got arrested, I had an engraver engrave onto the barrel of that gun, Mass General Law 62C-55A, arms for personal use. Then that would have to go into evidence. And when it does go into evidence, then you can make a show about it and say say to the jury and to plead your case that that particular rifle, shotgun, or pistol is in fact not a firearm. It's, in fact, an arm for personal use guaranteed by our Constitution and guaranteed by the Massachusetts general laws. And that's an excellent point you bring forward because one of the things that I would do is I've, I've always been one for recording the cops. Right. So, like, 2003, for example, I got arrested in Massachusetts and uh, I had a tape recorder going and the cop asked me for a driver's license. And I, and I got the tape recorder going. And I said, what was that you asked me for? What would you want from me again? He goes, I want your driver's license. I said, oh, if I produce that 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 instrument for you, are you going to use, uh, use it as evidence against me in a court of law? He goes, of course I am. I'm conducting a crim- criminal investigation. So I said to him, well, I'm going to exercise my constitutionally secured rights not to furnish evidence uh, against myself, that, which is guaranteed under Article 14 of the Massachusetts Bill of Rights and Article 5 of the Bill of Rights of the United States of America. And so this was all on a recording. Sure. So the jury got to hear this. That's one of the things we got to, you know, practice getting into our recordings of the of, of the police is what we want the jury to hear. Right. And, and so, so, so bringing all of that up and even like when I had this particular case, uh, the judge was like, he instructed the jury to disregard, you know, my, um, you know, mentioning of, you know, uh, not, um, what was it? Uh, whatever I said, not, you know, furnishing evidence, evidence against myself. And that's how it's worded in the Massachusetts bill of rights. Right. And, uh, and then also the judge was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, um, rule, I'm going to decide on that one because that is a civil thing. The jury is not deciding on, you know, on that particular, uh, you know, charge. But the jury heard that recording. They they did hear it. So in that particular situation, I was charged with, um, operating a motor vehicle, um, suspended license, subsequent, subsequent offender, um, not using a turn signal. And uh, I did use a turn signal. It was actually on video. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, and then it was um, resisting arrest. They charged me with, and uh, and the, and basically by the time I got to the jury, the only thing the jury uh, uh, decided was resisting arrest. In fact, everything else got dismissed except for resisting arrest and except for the charge of failure to give a uh, police officer a license or registration because I asked the police officer if he was going to use it against me, and he said he was. So I said, well, I'm going to you know, exercise my right not to incriminate myself or furnish evidence against myself. And then the judge actually found me guilty of that charge, uh, which, I, you know, which was a $50 fine, but I paid you know, the 300 and whatever dollar appeal or whatever. I don't remember what it cost. It was back in you know, 2004. Actually, it was cheaper then. 
and it got appealed at you know I got turned over at the appeals court because I clearly said that I'm exercising my constitutionally right constitutionally secured rights not to furnish evidence against myself. Really, that's great. And um, <clears throat> so it's very important, just like the idea of engraving that on the barrel of the uh, arm, right? Uh, you know, this particular thing. I see a lot, a handful of people that cruise around New Hampshire with these license plates that say um, something like "Private Property under United States Code," blah blah blah. You know, and uh, and you know they they allegedly don't really have that that many issues one one old guy I talked to in manchester he's like oh yeah i've been riding around these pl- plates for 15 years and he says uh and he's one of these guys that did this you know um claim the bond that they created when you're born which i really don't know how to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Learn, learning about that and he goes yeah ever since i did that uh he says i am the uh what did he call himself the uh secured creditor yeah is that what it yeah, is secured yeah. creditor okay. something secured party creditor yeah he says as soon as i became the secured party creditor i have just been left alone and, and, you know, this guy's like, I've seen him several times in Manchester and he's like not in a free state project or anything. He just, he'd been living in New Hampshire his whole life. And he's, you know, uh, he's, uh, is a, he a one con- of these gurus. He's trying to sell this nope. information. No, he wasn't trying to sell it. He's just, mm-hmm. he's, 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 I'm just trying to be left alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he wasn't trying to sell the information. Now I've, uh, I, I've had, uh, some conversations with a couple of these gurus. Uh, in fact, it's all over the internet. These guys that are, you know, claiming that they can, um, you know, correct your your status to secured party creditor, uh, and and they talk about how basically what they're the way I understand it is this land that we're on right now is occupied by a military occupation. That military occupation calls itself the United States. We know this is true. Something uh, like the Libra Code. That, well, and and yeah. I, so some, I I mean I haven't heard of that in a yeah. while, but the Libra Code, from what I understand, that's how like the New Hampshire Corporation, the Massachusetts Corporation, were generated under these Libra Codes. Yeah. You know, after the Reconstruction Acts of 1867, kind of that's how government got recreated after the Civil War was it was a government, federal government down implemented from the uh, uh, Reconstruction Acts of 1867. There's a guy, if you Internet search John Ainsworth, he does for years. I've uh, been to some of his lectures and he really, you know, gets into the nuts and bolts of this quite well. But with the secured party creditor stuff that these guys are talking about, um, Basically, we're under military occupation, which makes sense. You know, uh, ex- the country's been being operated by ex- executive order since 1861 under Lincoln. Constitution has basically been put to put to the side. If you look up, uh, I believe uh, it's the uh, 93rd Congress, 1973, a guy named McFadden, I mm-hmm. believe is his name. And he opens up Congress with saying uh, the United States has been in a state of national emergency. The Constitution has been suspended. We don't have any constitutional rights. And um, he, he he goes on about this, and you know nobody rebutted what he you know what he what he opened up the Congress with in, in 1973, and he, he explains it pretty well. But so we're under a military occupation, and the presumption is is that you're everybody is a creditor, uh, and, and 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 unless you go in and you claim these bonds that exist on some kind of you know magical exchange, you know in in the UK, from what I'm understanding, and like. Like I said, I don't really know a lot about this. This is something mm-hmm. I'm learning about that there that you have no standing in the court until you become the secured party creditor. And when I'm talking to these guys about this stuff, I'm like, I, I don't even have a social security number. I've never signed up for any of this stuff. And, you know, they have the and even like any time I've had a cop on a stand, I've asked them certain questions. What evidence do you have that the code or constitution apply to me simply because I'm on this soil you call New Hampshire? I did this with my wife in the last case to, uh, that we had uh, here where she was charged with child endangerment. And the police officer said, I don't have any evidence. 
I saw it. Yeah, and, and it's on video. And, and another thing I've done is I asked him, uh, do you have any evidence that we're using in intellectual property? Do you have any evidence that I'm taking any benefits from the state? Uh, and, and, and even another great definition of a word is the term state. You know, if you look it up in New Hampshire, basically the state is defined as District of Columbia, territories and possession, mm-hmm. United States. All right. Uh, so, so anyways, the, uh, the whole, the, the, the whole thing is there's a military occupation. The constitution has been suspended. The courts don't recognize your constitutional rights. They're all functioning on, in, in statutory law. I used to always ask them all yeah. the time, uh, what jurisdictions does court function under? Actually, you know, one thing I, I might want to chime in a little bit is that these courts are not courts. Okay, let me give you an example. If you had a license, a professional license, for example, a, a dentist's license or a doctor's license, and you get in trouble for doing something that's against your license, for yep. example, mm-hmm. practicing without a license, when you go to an actual court, the licensing board must be there, hmm. all right? Isn't that true? I have no idea. Of course. I, I mean, believe if, you. If, if you started practicing medicine without license, the, the police officer is not going to come by and, and, you know, arrest you. What, mm-hmm. what, they'll, what they'll do, the medical board will come to your house and write you a letter and say, hey, we want to investigate you, right? Yeah. Sounds and like then, an offer to contract to right. me. And then once the medical board decides that you've practiced medicine without a license, then you go in front of a real court. And in that case, the plaintiff is the medical board. You I see. Are, you're the defendant, and then so and it's a civil case. It's a civil. Case. It's a civil case with with mm-hmm. actual consequences. Now, in the case of a gun license, it is exactly the same thing. Now, I tell you why. Because the gun license is a professional license. All right. Now, people are like, "You're smoking crack, right?" No. I want you to go to the law and and read for yourself that the license is a quote professional license in a specified occupation subject to an occupational fee. I mean let me let me uh let me give you give the numbers of the the statutes uh for for your audience here. So everybody knows that when you um get a license in Massachusetts, you got to pay $100. Is that right? Yeah, it's true. I, I have no one. idea. It's absolutely you. true. It's absolutely true. Mass General Laws Section uh, or chapter one forty, section one thirty one says you have to pay a hundred dollars to the licensing authority. Okay, so then you go to, to look up the word. What is a licensing authority? Well, a licensing authority is defined at chapter six, section one seven two n as in November. Okay, and it says a licensing authority is one with the authority to impose an occupational fee or a licensing requirement on a profession. Mm-hmm. Right there, that tells you you're a license. Not just everybody. Not just everybody, because mm-hmm. there is no such thing as a license to bear arms. Mm-hmm. I've certainly never heard of it. Have you? Nope. nope. No, there's a license to what? Carry. To carry a firearm. Carry mm-hmm. a firearm means to carry a firearm in the performance of duties mm-hmm. to serve the public, right? Now, I'll give you another law. Everybody knows that if you want to get a gun license in Massachusetts, you need to go through a background check. Isn't that right? They don't just give licenses to everybody. You have to prove that you're not a felon, for example. So if you go to 803-CMR, that's the Code of Massachusetts Regulations, 803-CMR, paragraph 2.01, it says the purpose and scope, and those are their words, the purpose and scope of the background check is for applicants for employment, 
comma, volunteer opportunities and professional licensing. All right, so that, mm-hmm. that's that's the second statute I'm telling you why your gun license is a professional license. Now, I'm going to tell you the third one. The third one is that you know in order to get a gun license in Massachusetts, you got to get your fingers printed. Ain't mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. That's probably true everywhere. It's probably true everywhere, right? You got to get you got to submit your fingerprints. So what's the statutory authority for the submission of your fingerprints in Massachusetts? I'll tell you. It's chapter 6, section 172B as in Bravo. By the way, he's not even referring to notes. For anybody listening, this is straight <laughs> off the top of his head. He knows his stuff. Go ahead. All right. 172B as in Bravo, dot five. Okay. And it says, towns and municipalities may request applicants in specified occupations to get a li- uh, to, to, to submit fingerprints. In other words, if you are an applicant for a license in a specified occupation, you need to submit a fingerprint. Let me ask you, what fingerprint submission do you have for the exercise of a right secured by a constitution? None whatsoever. None whatsoever, You don't have right? to ask permission. You don't need a, a There's privilege. no such thing as a permission, right? Right. So, so the important thing to, to, to note, we'll go back to the, uh, to the uh, Supreme Court laws, is in Chicago versus, or is it McDonald versus Chicago, or Chicago versus McDonald, one of the two. Anyway, that Supreme Court case said, that keeping and bearing arms is an individual. Oh no, excuse me, I, I screwed up on that. It's it's DCV Heller. Okay, DCV Heller said that the right to bear arms is called an individual right, not associated with a militia. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what the decision is. That word "individual right" means indivisible. Right, indivisible. It means for you, the people, the person, the individual. It is not a an entitlement. To serve the public. Well, it's not, that, that's an important difference right. between the idea of a right and a privilege. Right. And uh, maybe a lot of people don't understand this, but a right is something you have because <clears throat> you're a human being or because you're a person or a man or a woman or whatever, right? You have these rights and the government is supposed to respect them. Of course, we know that what the truth is. They just don't. But uh, the difference between a right and a privilege is... You don't ask permission to exercise a right. You Correct. just do it. In order to exercise a privilege, you have to supplicate yourself. You Correct. have to submit Those. the fingerprints. You have to submit the yes. application to apply, to beg, to entreat, to ask someone who is above you. So you're essentially, by doing those things, you're putting yourself beneath yep. whoever I is. I call them jurisdictional traps, mm-hmm. uh, You know all this uh, paperwork stuff. Another element of many of these permission slips is giving irrevocable power of attorney, for example, to the registrar of motor vehicles. So in Massachusetts, I believe it's MGL chapter 90, section three and a half, they call it. And I believe it's A, B, or C, but A is like a license for an automobile. B is like a trailer and C is like a motorcycle or something. But it says in there, an applicant, anyone who, a person who applies for a license to operate a motor vehicle gives irrevocable power of attorney to the registrar of motor vehicles. And I was uh, uh, doing some research on similar things like this years ago, and I come across some gun stuff in New, New York, and the gun and, and you know the firearms law stuff, and it basically said that it was when you got a um, firearms license or a license to carry a firearm, I'm pretty sure what it said, uh, or applied for it, didn't say you, but when you apply for it, 
that you give irrevocable power of attorney to, to the director of like health and human services or something mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. for getting, you know, a, uh, you know, even like in, in some states, I, even, I believe Massachusetts, they want you to have a some kind of permission slip just to buy BBs for a BB gun, from, from what I understand, or, or at least a BB gun. You know, I maybe I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But l- let's turn back to to the the court thing again, because the important thing here is that it's not a court, and the reasons it's not a court is because the administrative agency is supposed to be there. Just like the, just like that example with the uh, the medical board. If the medical board is not there, then there's no case or controversy. It's not a court, right? In this case, you have a professional contract, and the professional board is not there. So there, they are, they are uh, violating uh, the Administrative Procedures Act of the state of Massachusetts. That's Mass General Laws, Chapter 30A, Section 1. Well, why would they be there anyway? Because you never agreed to carry a firearm. You never applied for that permission slip. No, and you, so, right, right. But why would they need because, to be there? Because only they are vested with the, uh, um, the statutory a power to regulate the carrying of firearms. Mm-hmm. And because they only, they're, they're the only um, organization that really knows what carrying a firearm means. Think about it. They oh. license that subject matter. Well, they, they certainly don't want the jury yeah. hearing about no, that. No, they right? don't. Because they license that subject matter, mm-hmm. they have original subject matter jurisdiction over the carrying of firearms. And the fact that they are not there means that the court has no jurisdiction, means it's not a court. Am, am I correct? Well, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, you know, part of our motion to dismiss in our latest thing was the fact there was no controversy bef- before the court. There's no injured party. There was no contract violation. Yeah. And, you know, we brought all these things up in motion to dismiss, which were just all, all clearly denied. And, yeah, there's tons of case law, constitutional laws, uh, code rules, uh, rules of procedure that explicitly state that there must be a controversy before you know a case can be brought forth to a court. There's must, all, yeah. yeah, and there's all kinds of rules of um, uh, ethical and procedure for for the lawyers that say that there must be a controversy, there must be an injury. We bring up a bunch of this stuff, and you know they just deny it. Yeah, and and so um, so back to the gun case. Okay, so they don't have jurisdiction over over the carrying or possession of firearms because the the agency that's charged with regulating that subject matter is not there. Therefore, they're violating Chapter 30A, Section 1 of the Administrative Procedure Act, where it says very clearly that uh, that the agency that's involved, they have to either institute or recommend institution of process in a court. And since they don't do that, they violate the separation of powers under the Constitution. And under Mass uh, under the Massachusetts Constitution, it would be uh, Article Thirty. Okay. Now, is this something you're able to bring up in your civil case? We haven't talked yes. about that yeah. yet. But oh, yeah. you, when you were facing this criminal charge, you decided you were going to go ahead and sue the Attorney General. Is that right? So, so the proper party uh, to bring to a lawsuit in this case would be the Executive Office mm-hmm. of Public Safety and Security, because they are. The executive the, agency. That's the uh, that, that, regulators. That's the regulator. Okay. Right. If you look up their exi- uh, the exi- the Administrative Procedure Act, the regulators are are a, an agency that makes regulations and holds um, holds uh, adjudicatory proceedings. 
Now, adjudicatory proceedings are basically what other states call administrative hearings. Okay, so mm-hmm. that whole sure. thing is called an administrative hearing. It's not called a court of law. You understand? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you mentioned an interesting word, and that word is privilege. That yeah. word is found in our in our Constitution, Article Six. Hold that thought. We'll yeah. get into uh, make mark your spot there. We're talking about privileges versus yeah. rights and real courts versus administrative tribunals. If you want to weigh in, you're welcome to join the show as well. Maybe you've got some experience with this personally. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. That's six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Uh, hour number two is coming up. You can join the show here on Free Talk Live. It's been an hour. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. We're talking about some of the obscurity that is baked into the system that is being forced upon all of us. There's a difference, of course, between your rights and a privilege. And we've touched on some of that already. We've got uh, in the studio tonight me, Ian. Bear Arms. And Jay Noon. And the phones are open if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're going to get back into it. I know you had some. Uh, we're following up on another right. point here, Bear, about privileges. But uh, we are a call-in talk show, so we're going to go to the phones here. We have uh, Skeeter on the line in California here. Skeeter, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yo, it's your boy, the libertarian fearmonger slayer, Mr. Skeeter Lot. Hey, you're not our hey, boy, uh, but uh, you're a caller to the show, and go ahead with your call. I was talk- I was talking to my fans. Shout out to that Amish boy. You know who you are. You got hey, one uh, fan. All right, congratulations. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, thanks for taking my call on Membership Talk Live. Uh, I wanted to call in to uh, prove to you libertarians that you guys don't really want freedom from the U.S. But uh, first, I no. I think uh, we want freedom from all coercion, uh, institutionalized coercion, whether they be calling themselves the United States, the U.S., the USA, the state of New Hampshire, the state of California, the city of East India Tea Company. (laughs) Yeah, anybody. (laughs) Anybody. We don't want them to be able to use violence uh, to extract wealth and to extract obedience from peaceful people. I mean, I I don't want to speak for you guys, but that's, you know, when I say we, I'm... Yeah, that's. I think you guys would agree with me on on that. I also I, want a trillion studio. dollars, but that ain't going to happen. Hey, uh, I, but uh, first, well, I, a lot uh, of people thought answer. slavery would never go away, and uh, chattel slavery is done now. There's a different kind of slavery these days. But anyway, what was your point? What were you trying to say there, Skeeter? 
You guys aren't slaves. You can leave. No, but, uh, no, you I can't. Wanted to ask- Not without asking for permission. If you have to ask Master for permission to leave the plantation, then you are not free. Well, unless you're worth over $2 million, you don't really need permission. What are you talking about? Unless you're, unless that filing, there's not really any permission. I mean, well, first do you, you know what a passport is? is? Have you ever traveled outside yeah. of California to go to another uh, nation? Yeah, of course, but you can renounce citizenship. Uh, you consented to, this is what I'm getting to. You, you cons- I'm getting to the point where you consented to citizenship. But no. I, so I, wanted, Prove I first it. wanted to address Prove your uh, Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I can tell you prove how they, yeah, they so prove in Ed you Brown's your case. Boy, you, you remember your boy, the billionaire Bitcoin cash shield, Roger Ver? And I want to explain why he has to pay exit fees. No, no, no. You already made a claim, and I'm asking you yeah. to prove it. You well, said you have agreed yeah, to citizenship. You've just, consented to citizenship. This is just an example, but it applies to everybody, right? It's because everybody consents uh, to being taxed as a citizenship, uh, uh, to be no, a they citizen. Don't. Yeah, it is because it's like, it. first off, are you first off? I'm not even bringing up your parents. Are you denying your parents uh, consented to you for you to be? A citizen? My parents can't consent for that. me. Okay, so you do, so they can't make that consent for you when they yeah. have you. Are you saying that? That's right. That's yeah, fine, they can't. I'm not even use. I'm not even going to use that. Okay, gonna, what are you going to use? What's this guy's point? Yeah, the fact that... I haven't figured it out yet. I think, he's, I think he's saying that you consented to citizenship, and I'm telling you that's BS, and he hasn't given me one shred of evidence for it yet. I'm still waiting. Yeah, the fact that there's renunciation at any time before you that earn doesn't, even that, one The dollar. fact that there's some political process called renunciation doesn't mean you consented to citizenship. Would you... Yeah, because... Where is, is your this evidence? Is, this is, the U.S. is collective property of this democracy, okay. of the people... Do you have evidence yeah. that an individual in this room consented to so-called citizenship? Yeah, the fact that you guys don't leave when you can. That That's is not evidence of consenting to citizenship. Would you, ra- would you rather have when you were is born... Is there a document somewhere? Like an immigrant? Did somebody sign that document? Have, would, you, would you rather have the government treat you like an immigrant when you're born? I don't want the government to do anything. I don't want them to exist at all. I think they should just go away. You don't have have the right. This is collective land. You don't tell me what this is. That's just your belief. You're just going on and on and on. And I asked for evidence, and I asked multiple times, and he did not have it. He made a claim, and I said, you got to back up that claim. It's an extraordinary claim. You claim that there's some sort of an agreement, that there's some kind of contract, that there's something that you could point to. To say that we have agreed to citizenship. You know it would be interesting? There's not. Uh, Thanks for the call. If uh, people that are living here on this land they call Keene mm-hmm. uh, would send right to no request to the Keene executive branch, let's say the mayor's office, mm. uh, asking them to, uh, what evidence do you rely on that I am a uh, inhabitant or a, you know, corporate whatever, you know, According, you know, as described in your, you know, section one of your town charter, your city charter. Maybe they would say uh, you've registered to vote. Well, well, that's fine. Whatever. But it would be very interesting for them for ask them for the information. I actually did a uh, so I got a traffic ticket in New Hampshire in like 2012. And one of the things I did was I did a a right to know request. Actually, I did a Freedom of Information Act request uh, and to the attorney general in New Hampshire asking them for what evidence they had that I was subject to the New Hampshire motor vehicle code, RSA, whatever. 
and uh, just simply because I was on the land they call New Hampshire, and they uh, they denied the request and said actually I had to like do it like four different times because they just kept on saying we don't know what you're talking about or we don't understand or you know so uh, but finally they said well we don't have that document on file we're denying your request because we do not have that document. In, on file or in our records or something. Just, same thing when I asked the town of Henniker, you know, what evidence do you have that I'm subject to your, you know, your, your whatever code that they were citing? You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we're denying your request cause, because we don't have those documents. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say this. Uh, we are presumptively, presumptively uh, uh, subject to whatever code that they offer. Now, that doesn't mean we have to accept their offer. And I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, in fact, I'll give you two case law that proves what I'm saying. Or at least give support. So the things that they offer us are called statutes, right? They say you're subject to this statute because you're living on the land of New Hampshire, correct? Well, they never say living on the land. They say they living say, in New Hampshire. They don't mm-hmm. even. In fact, they don't use the word living. They use reside. They, right, mm-hmm. right. Reside. Reside or a presence. legal term. That's a legal. That's term. a legal yeah. term, right? right. A, a reside. When you're residing in New Hampshire, what that what that means is that puts you in in the class of a Fourteenth Amendment citizen Correct. because the word reside is in the Fourteenth Amendment, right? It, the citizens of the United States are those who are born or naturalized in the United States and residing in whatever state that they're in. So if you reside in New Hampshire, guess what you've given up by definition? You've given up your citizenship for the state of New Hampshire, your constitutional Article Four citizenship, and you have you have. You have consented to be a citizen of the United States, which, of course, is the District of Columbia, as we all know, right? So so what's my point here? Uh, but my point is, well, the original one is that when they offer us a statute, say they, they say you're subject to RSA, whatever, X, Y, Z, what they're really saying is we like to contract with you and we're offering you a contract. Statutes are contracts by legal definition. I'll give you two cases that says that. The first is the Floyd acceptances. It's page 74 U.S., uh, or rather book 74 U.S., page 666. All right? It says statutes are acts authorizing the making of contracts with the government. And anyone who's entering into such a contract must look to the statute under which it is made and see him for himself that his contract comes within the meaning of the law. Okay? So if, so, if somebody, somebody says to you that you're subject to a certain statute, then what they've done is they've given you terms, offering terms. What's the consideration? Like, what's the, the benefit to me? Well, Because most statutes are all about control. Right, it is. It is about control. Mm-hmm. And the control is that they're offering you something that you don't know its value. For example, they're saying, uh, get out of your motor vehicle. That's a contract. Why? Because a motor vehicle is defined as a conveyance moving on the highways uh, in the regular course of business, you know, transporting and carrying goods and persons for hire. So if you consented to the to the idea that you have a motor vehicle, then they've just gotten advantage over you. Let me, let me go over the second uh, Supreme Court decision that tells you that Well, of statute. course, how many people have gone and 
Argued unknowingly, that. Right, right. Sure. Uh, unknowingly signed up for the driver license, right. correct? Which you know says that you basically consented to the entire motor vehicle code and all these rules that, of course, you've never read that right. no one has and, ever read. And when you sign that contract, guess what happened? You lose your constitution, right? Because sure. because you've contracted out of the constitution, and that's that is. That's why when you go to court, there is no constitutional rights. And that's an adhesion contract. That Let's is, be really that clear a, about that. It is an adhesion contract. What is an adhesion contract? It means contract. a contract that is so heavily one-sided, there is no benefit to one party. Right. It's a, it's a constructively it fraudulent contract. Well, right. Not only is it fraudulent in that it's never presented as a real contract, it is right. presented under the threat of duress, meaning that most people right. know inherently that if they drive around for long enough without one of these picture cards that the state is issuing the driver license that there's a good chance some psychopath with a gun is going to possibly run them off the road and shoot them to death for doing that sure you know that there's that possibility and so therefore they go and they jump through these hoops they sign a document that they don't know what it's talking about they check the box saying they're a u.s citizen in fact i just went through this uh, my the driver license with my name on it from New Hampshire is expired, and so I had to go and and renew that. So I went down there, and when I checked the U.S. citizen box, I attached a two page statement about you know what citizenship is and some of the things we've covered here tonight. Talked about state citizens versus federal citizens and yep. these, these different court cases that outline sure. that the the definition of U.S. citizen is actually three different definitions according to a court case, Hooven, I think. Yep. That's the uh, United in States. The, in the yeah. Supreme Court. Uh, so I put this whole thing in there and the lady's like, hmm, she starts reading, she starts reading through it. She's new. She's never, I think she's like new within two months. So she had to contact the higher ups to find out, well, you know, what do I have to do with this? Because I said, she was trying to say, well, I don't think we can accept this. And I oh, said, yeah. well, I want you to. My put wife this went through the same file. exact thing about eight months ago. Yeah. I want you to put this in my file when you file whatever a contract is, or, or whatever yeah, it is, whatever right. it is. That call they, call that they it have. by what it is. And I'll give you, I'll give you a second. So she called, she called back. Yeah. Uh, to whoever the supervisor was. And then she went back there for some time. And then she finally came out with the guy who was the supervisor. And he says, it's fine. We'll just put it in. We'll file it under others. So they scanned it in and presumably yep. that's a part uh, of your is, contract. It is in the system. Right. So the other, just for the record, okay, uh, I just want to read another Supreme Court quote because that tells us that it's statutes are definitely contracts. Right. It says, this is United States Trust Company versus New Jersey says, in general, comma, a statute itself is treated as a contract when the language and circumstances evince a legislative intent to create private rights of a contractual nature enforceable against the state. All licenses are contracts, right? You agree? You have to pay a fee. That's your consideration. You get some sort of benefit to it. Protection. For, for exa- yeah, yeah, for example, carrying a firearm for mm-hmm. the performance of your duties. And, and, uh, and, and you sign your signature, and the other party, which is the state, also signs their signature, right? Those are all contracts. Now, let me ask you this. Where's the law that says I have to contract with with the state for an entitlement in order to exercise my rights under the Constitution? If you're exercising a right, you don't need to contract. There is no law, right? There is no law that says I have to get a license to carry in order to exercise an entitlement. Well, all these contracts essentially are. There's a guy named uh, Curtis Richard Collenbeck. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Bear Arms, but uh, yeah. he talked a lot about 
It's an offer you can't refuse because you don't even know it's an offer. Exactly. And people right. have no clue it's an offer. In fact, when the, uh, one of the first things I say to most police officers is when they approach me and they, and they uh, offered a contract with me, I say, I reject your offer to contract with me. Usually it's like, do you know why I pulled you over? And I just say, well, I'm rejecting your offer to contract with me. Now, in the case of a cop, they have no idea about any of this no, they stuff. Don't. Sometimes they do. This is sometimes so obscure. It, it, it's actually something that uh, the first time I went into court in like 2007, when my tenants had a couch out in the yard. If you watch the video of me getting arrested, uh, it, it, literally the arrest happens within the first few seconds of the "quote unquote" trial. The judge tells me to have a seat, and I say, "Are you making an offer?" Because I'd been reading a lot about this stuff about you know. They're always yep. making offers to you. This is always a negotiation, things like that. And he had me arrested instantaneously uh, as those words this fell, was in court? fell out of my mouth. Yeah, I was arrested and charged with contempt of court. Uh, and then they took me back into a secret tribunal chamber, which was out of public view. And they proceeded to go through the trial. And I was uh, charged with two more charges of contempt of court for a couple of other things that were you know, ridiculous. But yeah, so like, you know... Asking that question got me put in handcuffs in that particular case. Usually when you're arrested and put in handcuffs fairly shortly into your you know trial or court court special appearance, mm-hmm. uh, it means you're doing the right things. Because <laughs> yeah. what would happen with me, That's the, true. When, I, when they would call, call the name, they would say, Joseph Francis Noon, which is the name on, name on the birth documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say, I'm not that entity. That's a dead entity. That's a name <laughs> on a piece of paper. And there was one where they hold it up and it had the date of birth with it and, and it's got a picture, mm-hmm. uh, my picture. And I go, who put my image with that name and date of birth? I want to know who that is. This is identity theft. Uh, I demand to know who you that is. You didn't consent to that. And, and I didn't consent to this. Uh, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm telling them, I'm not that dead entity. You're looking for a name on a piece of paper. That's not me. And they, and, and they, they uh, they're like, we're holding you in contempt for a psychiatric evaluation. Oh God! And 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 I just had a lot of fun with the shrink because she was just you know a career you know idiot and, and of course a shrink that works for the court systems one that you know can't get a job in the you know in in in, in the um, you know private marketplace so you know they're extra you know thick anyways uh, and entitled but yeah that was a lot of fun and basically the, the short short story is at four thirty they bring me back up into the courtroom and the only one that was in the courtroom was my girlfriend at the time. When you were there I came all back day. Up, yeah, yeah, there yeah. all day. You know, I got like a, you know hauled away at like you know nine ten in the morning, and they did feed me pretty good. I got to say that. <laughs> uh, but they <laughs> they uh, so as, when I get back in the courtroom, they just dismissed it. They dismissed wow. everything. Wow! And, and uh, in front of no one, right? Everybody was cleared right. out at that. Everybody point. was cleared out. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's what got me he- held in contempt. I said, uh, "I'm here to." I said, "I'm not that entity." But since I'm here, if there's a man or woman that has a claim against me, I'm here to settle a claim. So who who, who has a claim against me? I'm here to settle it. Mm. I got to ask again, who who is the victim? Who is the injured party? Who has a claim? And finally, someone says a Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I says, thank you. I would love to speak with Mr. or Mrs. Commonwealth of Massachusetts <laughs> to settle this claim yeah. with them or clear up a mistake. And, and he's like, take them away. <laughs> so, oh, man. man. <laughs> that was Springfield, Mass. <laughs> Which yeah. I think is around about where you're from. That's right? exactly where the yeah. Uh, yeah where my situation ended up. Yeah. And oh, in the uh, right there in Springfield, that uh, big building where they have like the registry of deeds and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. So it, on the side of that building, it says, "Oh, freedom is 
uh, obedience to law is obedience freedom. Obedience to God. law is liberty. Oh, it's liberty. That's yeah. right. That's what. It and says and you know what building. it says in the court in house in uh, Greenfield? It says, it says, um, law secures liberty without license. <laughs> <laughs> and there they are charging people without licenses. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and you know that that's by the way the 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 idea the concept of having a license. Uh, is is a very twisted concept, but it's one that it's important to understand because it's it is in a way good for us. It's good for the libertarian. And How's that? And it's good for the people. And the reason is the way that the license is construed. It's construed as a privilege. And I'll let, I'll read to you what the Massachusetts Constitution says about privileges. It says no man or corporation, da yada da yada yada yada, right? Yeah. Have any other title to obtain advantages or particular exclusive privileges distinct from the community than what arises from the consideration of services rendered to the public. So a license is a license to render services to the public in every single case. True. You find me a license that, that, isn't, that doesn't fit that description mm-hmm. because a license is the exclusive privilege for the rendering of services to the public. For example, the license to carry a firearm means you get to be a security guard. That means I get to hire you from off the street. You have the benefit of serving me, and I have the benefit of being served as one of the people. Right? That license that you have, for example, a dentist, to pull teeth, does not impair my right to pull my own tooth. The right that a, that a doctor has, not a right, the privilege, a license exclusive privilege that the the doctor has to like put a finger up your ass. Oh, you can't say that on the radio. <laughs> oh. Hang on a second here. I had to hit the dump button. Uh, <laughs> even though you, uh, I think you are a doctor, you uh, you have to use more mm, medical okay. terminology. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. And even then, Got it. in the in the world of the FCC. Doing anything that has to do with like excretory parts <laughs> should probably okay. just stay away from Got it. in, in right. general. Let, let's say the the uh, where the sun don't shine right. would be Got you it. know Got a it. fine way to. So say if, it. if a if a physician were to do a DRE, which is a de- digital rectal examination, okay. they need a license. Is that true? If I want to find cancer and I have to do a manual breast exam, I need a la- license. Isn't that true? Because that is an exclusive privilege that. That I get from my license to serve the public. Well, I don't think that right? you should have to, okay? Because that is what the gang is saying. They say, "Well, we're here to protect, you know, the, well, that's the what people they use. or they, whatever." That's what they use. Right. But if I want to hire a shade tree mechanic or a, a shade tree doctor or whatever, somebody that right. doesn't have a license, but I trust that person because I know they've done good work before or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, and and we were in a situation during COVID where a lot of people in the medical field were getting their licenses pulled from them right. because they weren't going along with the you know the prescripted kind of narrative. Go, narrative, yeah. And those people are still doctors. I, you know, they're still. I I get I get the argument. Yeah. Right, and I agree with your argument, but from from a perspective of knowing how your enemy fights and thinks, this is how we have to approach it. We have to approach government as if, hey. Big brothers out there looking out for us. They're watching out for us. They're making sure all of those people who work and serve us are properly licensed and properly trained and properly vetted to serve us, which means that we are not subject to those licenses. 
right? And here's another reason that we're not subject to our, to those licenses, and that that's an Article Five of of the Massachusetts Constitution, which which says, by the way, that all power reside originally in the people, and it's being there and being derived from them. The several magistrates and officers of government are are, are uh, our substitutes and agents, and at all times accountable to us. There's wording like that in the New Hampshire Constitution exactly. as well. I suspect so, in a lot of constitutions. So, for example, let me give you an, ex- an another example here. My power to defend myself is infinite. Okay, I have the power to defend myself anytime. Hold that thought. Okay. We'll continue. We'll talk about power and defending oneself. And you can join us here as well. The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Of course, a lot of this stuff is stuff you have to make a stand on. And they don't like it when you do that. They don't like it when you are working outside of the system, not asking them for permission to just live your life. It's Free Talk Live. Whatever you want. We've been focusing on some esoteric things, uh, you know, differences between rights and privileges. This shouldn't be esoteric. This shouldn't be hidden uh, information only for the few, but it seems like it is. Uh, We got into a discussion. It's Ian, Bear Arms, and Jay uh, Noon in the studio here with us tonight. Bear Arms is our guest host. He's got a lot of experience dealing with the Massachusetts courts specifically because they've prosecuted him. And so far, unfortunately, successfully, a jury did find you guilty of the count, uh, as I recall, of possession of a firearm without a license, which is apparently a felony in Massachusetts. So you're facing 18 months. Um, Is that a minimum? That's a minimum down there. But that's Uh, only if it's uh, fully adjudicated and goes to a conviction. At this point, I think they've messed up enough where there's a pretty good chance that I'll be successful on appeal. You were able to yes. stay out upon appeal, which is yes. fairly unusual. Fairly unusual. Um, we're obviously hoping the same thing will be true in my case on Monday, as I have a sentencing coming up in the Crypto 6 case, which again is another victimless case where they're accusing me and right. some of my friends of essentially selling Bitcoin without a government permission slip, without a right. license. right. Uh, which again, you know, I don't think you need a license even under their licensing scheme to do these to uh, to do these things. And so I think the whole idea of licenses is ridiculous, and we just need to abolish them. And that's what I'd like to see happen here in New Hampshire. I want to see whatever licenses New Hampshire has, because we don't have as many as some other states. There's some professions here that are just unlicensed, like as I understand it, contractors. There's not a contractor's license here in New Hampshire, but if you try to go and fix somebody's house in Florida, you're going to get arrested and charged with a felony mm. uh, down there if you don't have their permission. <laughs> Even slip. if you're just doing it for free to help somebody out, like tree work. Yeah, uh, after a hurricane. We had a caller come in, call in a couple years ago when I was on here, and he was, yeah, I got you know harassed and threatened by a local sheriff deputy, and he was just doing, uh, just helping old ladies clean right. their yards. Oh, you don't have the permission yeah. slip, so now we might kill you over it. So uh, getting rid of these licenses and just allowing for 
certifications from industries is the the that's the libertarian answer to this because of course the question comes up well the whole point of a license ostensibly is protection we need to make sure that these people have done a certain number of hours of study and that they've passed a test and you know x y and z there's these concerns that people have and those are legitimate concerns but that's where certification can do that job without involving a license where you can go to some board some medical board that is offering voluntary certification and you can prove to them that you know what you're doing or maybe you want to cut hair for a living you can prove to you know this independent certifier and they have this of course in businesses already uh, the tech field is a great example of this where in uh, you know the programming or IT you can go and get your what is it the MSE or something Microsoft has one yeah. and then there's another one from some other company and these are high level certifications you have to know your stuff in order to be able to get this in the restaurant business there's uh ServeSafe for instance which will certify people to know you know that they know what they're doing when it comes to handling food and washing hands right. and and things like that and, these are not needed government is not government is not needed because the market right. can handle this you're right to, to the most uh, for the most part i think i would agree with yeah. you and it has very strong historical precedents in 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 the idea of having guilds for example mm-hmm. uh hundreds of years ago we had doctors guilds and masons guilds and you know craftsmen's guilds and so forth and those guilds were basically self-regulatory. Um, licenses are, well, from a from a legal theoretical perspective, they 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 can be considered um, legitimate because they extend the power of the individual and delegates it to the government so that he can be protect he he can use that license to protect himself. Uh, so, for example, the way you got to think about it is: Do you have the power? to uh check on someone's credentials when when um when they do when they perform a service for you of course you do so if you have the power to do that then that's a power that you could delegate to the government so in, in a sense you could hire a, a for example a doctor who is not licensed and as long as you consent to the idea he's not licensed you could receive whatever he uh, would provide you. You should be able to. No, I think you still they can. Will, they will attack that man if that it, is uh, found out. If, if be it's, charged with If something. it's found out, I'm pretty sure he would be attacked. Mm-hmm. But you're the only person who's uh, who, who could conceivably allow that information to go forth. Well, but that's right? if he didn't put out, you know, like hang out his shingle, right? Like if he's not uh, advertising his services, as soon as you go out there and you start advertising right, that, your services right. to people, and that's when the feds or not feds, but the local, you know, thugs are going to pick up You become a lightning it. rod. Yeah. You do. Them. You're, you're right about that. I mean, you're absolutely right. And from a practical uh, perspective, I, I, I agree with you. Um, but we have to think about these things in a theoretical uh, manner so that we can we can see their viewpoint and use their viewpoint to to kind of sidestep them. Well, you wanted to get into right. the power to defend. Uh, I think. Yeah, for example, for example, we'll just give you. We'll, we'll lead. We'll segue into that. So we know that police officers have an unlimited right, or rather, privilege, to carry, let's say, however many bullets they they want in mm-hmm. their gun, right? They could have a 50-round magazine. Yeah. But civilians in uh, states like California and Massachusetts and, like, New Jersey, they have, like, a 10-round mag limit. Mm-hmm. Well, h- how do you suppose that works? Well, it doesn't. From from a constitutional perspective, the power of those police officers come from the statutes 
and those statutes are voted on and approved by the legislature, and we the people voted for the legislature, which means all the power came from us. So how is it that our servants, who are desi- who are supposed to serve us, how are they yeah, supposed right. to take away our right to defend ourselves? Because they're not really military occupation. It it doesn't, and they're not really your servants, right? So what they're there to do is to serve the state. I mean, the idea that they are your servants is mythology. That's true. That's true. It's all myth, and we're here to bust those myths, right? right? But first, before you bust the myth, you have to really understand how they are thinking about Mm -hmm. it, so you can twist their uh, twist their own logic around. So that you, you can sidestep the problem that you have. Well, the wording is actually honest. When they say public servant, right. the definition of public, as I understand it, the way it's actually used, when you hear government people talking about public this and public that, they really are meaning government. So anytime you hear them say the word public, you substitute the word government for it. So public school, government school. Uh, I'm doing this to serve the public. No, no, no. You're serving the government. It's one of those uh, words that, again, has in people's minds a certain connotation. When we hear public, we think, oh, that's all of us. But the reality is it's just them. It's just their system that they're talking about. So when they say they're a public servant, they mean they serve the government. They serve that entity, not you. And not me. Yeah, but as, look, long as, as long as we understand as the people that we are the government, I have no problems with that's that. That's the mythology, though. That's the mythology. And it's and false. It, it's false until you believe it. Well, here's right? the thing. We're not, we're not, the, so the government essentially isn't operating. So like the city of Keene is a municipal corporation. Sure. But, so they're all municipal corporations calling themselves governmental agencies, says it right in their town charter, and the suffix AL on the end of a word means similar to or like. And, and the other thing, too, I, I refer to the public for years now. The public is a religious, is a private religious franchise. And, and so all of these public franchises are like the state of New Hampshire franchise is franchised under the United States franchise, mm-hmm. under the United States Corporation. So, so that's why, like, in fact, when I, read, when I bought my house, I, I stamped the deed. Uh, actually, I had to write into the deed not for public consumption. Hmm. And the lawyer who was doing the transaction was like, what does that mean? I don't want the public consuming it. And, and, he, <laughs> and he's like, well, okay, I'll, I'll write it in. But he was like, he's like, my job is to keep people in the box. Uh, you know, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and he was like probably the most honest lawyer I've ever talked to, you know, sort of informed. Um, but yeah, it, you know, and that's like another thing that, you know, I believe might even be in like the document that you get, give to your license that, you know, you're not taking any benefits from the state. And you're not for public consumption. I don't know if that's one yours, but we definitely put that in some of our documents. But yeah, the public is a private religious franchise. Is basically all the evidence all suggests so, that they are a religion. I mean, you look at the courts, for instance. There's a lot of religious iconography yep. in there, and they believe in something that is uh, superior to them, right? Like they believe that they are part of the state of Massachusetts or the state of new hampshire or the federal government the quote-unquote united states but of course you can't point to that thing it is it's just a concept it's like essentially their god well the concept is that we are their creators okay it says we the people ordained and established the constitution that's what they want you to think no 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 but if everybody actually thought that way right because if you play into their game then you end up Winning, because if everybody believed that they are truly the masters of their government, 
and that the government are truly our servants, then that's reality. You manifest what we believe, or we manifest what we believe. Okay, so... And that's just the way I treat these guys, right. like they're my servants. That, the, and, and, that's I, and I want to treat, treat my treat servants them. well, because, you know, just like the way I want to treat my horses and treat my livestock, treat them well. Uh, same thing with my servants. You should treat your servants well. And when you're, But when your servants start, you know, coming against you and taking your rights away and engaging in, you know, conspiracies with and racketeering with other servants to deprive you of your, your rights... Um, it's, it's definitely a, a two tiered system and just a little more thing to back up this re- whole religion aspect mm-hmm. of the state yeah. in the bogus contempt order that the, uh, that, uh, the social worker from DCYF filed in, fa- in family court against my wife and I, uh, at the very end, the social worker writes, I pray that this court give, you know, mm-hmm. allows me to, you know, interview child alone and, you know, inspect premises and access to medical records and other further equitable relief. Um, prayer to the court happens yep. all the time. In court it says documents. right in there, prayer to the court. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a religious cult is what it is. I mean, case closed as far so, as I'm concerned. So when you believe in something, it manifests itself in mm-hmm. some way. If everybody believes in something, then it manifests itself in that, in that way. The problem we have in this country is that people have the have have a have an in, have an incorrect belief in the government. For example, I'll give you another example. People believe that the federal income tax is the federal tax on their income. Nothing is farther from the truth. It's the tax on their federal income. And if we all believed that, then what would happen is the federal income tax would truly benefit the people to whom it does not apply. And the reason it does so is for three reasons. One, because federal employees are taxed, there will be fewer people who want to go into federal service. (laughs) Or when they go into federal service, they're going to demand a higher fee, a higher uh, salary. All all employees are a federal, federal employee. So Correct. if you call yourself and like absolutely like uh, it, when it would you know uh, Facebook years ago uh, you know it, are are you employed self employed you know whatever I, yeah. I I wouldn't even like self employed that's not me because right. that's a federal employee and, and the reason they do that is again they're in that system they want to box everybody into what kind of employee are you are you self employed or or you know you have a you you earn wages for example that's another. That's another term for government pay. Okay, so, so you're saying just let's slow down for a moment. You're saying employee is another legal term. It is okay. So at 26 United States Code 3401, an employee is an is an employee, an elected official, or a uh, officer of the United States, or an officer of a corporation. Now, how many people are employees according to that specific definition? Now, if everybody had the proper and and correct belief of what they are and who they are. Whether they are an employee, whether they, they perform service, by the way, service means service to the United States, or whether they are a worker who is laboring. That's all the difference that needs to go in the minds of people between freedom and slavery. Remember, in the book, in the you know, the Bible, it says, We perish or the people perish for our lack of knowledge. And when you misunderstand the law, when you misconstrue the written document, you've set yourself up for your own enslavement. You can't go to the court and say, hey, I got a constitutional right to carry a firearm. That doesn't exist. We already discussed that, Mm -hmm. right? You go to jail for that. 
But if you go to the court and you say, listen, I have a right to keep and bear arms, and that's what I'm claiming, mm-hmm. they get so scared they would not bring that information in front of a jury. That tells you you're on the right track. Oh, yeah. All right? Now, again, everything is about belief. So if we believe in the proper and, and uh, if we believe in what the government actually tries to tell us, that they're there to serve us, and if everybody believes that, then in fact they shall serve us. You see, I don't know, man. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying, yeah. and I don't disagree that you know we do manifest our our own reality, right? Um, but of course, we know that everyone's not going to believe the same thing. That's something right. that is never going to happen because people are different, right? Like they're inherently they believe different things. We see tremendous divisions in people across the United States as far as what they believe to be true, uh, whether it be about the government or about, you know... And, and a lot of that things. is manipulated by the media and the sure. schools and the educational Absolutely. system and by the churches and all these institutions out there. Yeah, I mean, if people believed right? what you were saying, and I think you're, what you're saying is true about the federal income tax yeah. being only a tax on federal income, right? income working for or on behalf of the federal exactly. government in Absolutely. some way then we would see juries letting people go on tax charges. But instead, juries believe that, well, I pay income tax, so everybody's got to pay income tax. So it doesn't matter you know, what you show them. It doesn't matter what you tell them. In my case, in the Crypto 6 case, which you came to many of the sure. days of, yep. um, they uh, charged me with tax evasion. And in order to prove tax evasion legally they have to show certain things i don't have the jury instructions in front of me so i'm not going to read the uh, the exact things that they have to prove but ultimately one of the things that is true about you know what they have to prove is they had to prove that i actually tried to evade a tax that i believed that i owed well you don't I, you, you, I, I you're no not belief. subject to that tax right i had no belief that i owed yeah. that i did not believe there was any duty to pay that tax i'm a minister with the church and i had no belief in that i explained this when I took the stand, but it didn't matter one bit to that jury because they don't care about what the law actually says. They don't care about what it actually really means. They don't care about what the jury instructions said. I think, and we don't know because we haven't been able to interview the jurors, right. but if we were able to talk to them, I suspect if they were being honest, they would say, hey, look, I have Everybody, to pay taxes. Right. Everybody's got to pay taxes. So Screw this guy. So the reason they have that... Uh, that problem or that that belief in their mind is because of uh, over a hundred years of the government and school systems yeah, telling them that you need to pay your federal income tax. It's a which, fair share. Which, by the way, by the way, the statement that you need to pay your federal income tax, that statement is one hundred percent true, and it means you need to pay the tax on your federal income. What is that though? And if you don't have federal income, then it's zero multiplied by whatever. It's mm-hmm. still zero. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, again. If we all believe, if the people have knowledge, then we will not perish from the earth. And that's what I, that's what I advocate. I advocate that we, we, we tell the people the truth. We prove it to them by the, by, by the statute. Okay, look, there it is. That word wages, dude, that word wages mean uh, what an employee gets from his employer, where an employee is a government employee and an employer is someone who receives service from an employee. Now, wait a minute. Didn't you say the definition of employee also included corporate uh, it does. persons it, or it, whatever? And that's very true because the word— Most of these people work for corporations, so doesn't that the, mean they're employees? No, it doesn't because it only applies to corporate officers. 
not your regular wage collector. A corporate officer is one who has a a, a, a say in where that uh, the corporation goes and has shares in that corporation. Oh, okay. So your typical okay. associate your, on a retail floor isn't an officer. Your typical Walmart worker mm-hmm. is not a Walmart they officer. A they don't get that. a they don't get nothing. Okay, mm-hmm. they get a paycheck. Okay, and then they get defrauded because Walmart is defrauding them by bearing false witness against them. Walmart is saying that they received. Uh, services, and that they were paid wages. By the way, the word service, remember what we were talking about in the Constitution? Some words can't be redefined by the statute. Well, service is one of those words. Service means service of the United States. I want you to go to Article 1, all right? Article 1 says congressmen shall be paid for what? Service. Their services. Article 2 says the president shall be paid for his what? Services. Services. Article 3 said judges of the Supreme Court shall be paid for their what? Service to the United States. Mm -hmm. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 16 says the militia shall be called into actual what? Service. Service of the United States, right? Hmm. And what kind of service do we we know, like, from, from, uh, from living in America? All right, we know we have military service, postal service, postal inspection service, marshal service, Internal Revenue Service, Weather Service, Ocean mm-hmm. Service, Indian and and you know Immigration Naturalization Services. There's a hundred services. Sure, Child there. Protection Service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so every service that you can name is a government service. It's a benefit. It's a benefit. So when you say I got wages, like some fool, okay, then you look up that word wages, and you'll realize that wages means remuneration for services. That's the definition of wages at 26 U.S.C. 3401. Remuneration for services. And the question is, did you perform a service? And if you know the the correct answer for that, then you've lawfully either paid your taxes for performing a service to the United States or avoided paying your taxes because what you've done is nothing more than labor, right? Labor is different from service. Very different, you're saying. Okay. Yes. In fact, I have a, uh, let's see, a constitutional, um, not a constitutional. Is this something, before you go on, is this some, this information, it's really interesting. Is it something that the average Walmart person or laborer or whatever can put into effect? I mean, because if you're in this corporate environment, there's usually no opting out of, you know, getting out of this system, right? Like you... I mean, don't you just basically have to be an entrepreneur to get out of this? You know what I mean? Like, what can you actually do with so this So I know a guy. Uh, I haven't talked to him in probably seven or eight years, but he's a, a pilot for United Airlines. I'm sorry, FedEx. Okay. Commercial airliner pilot. Uh, worked for FedEx. And he doesn't have a social security number. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, you know, he corrected his status from a federal United States citizen to a, you know, a citizen of New Hampshire. I'm I'm sorry, uh, Connecticut. He's from Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they don't deduct. They didn't deduct any taxes. Uh, he actually threatened. They they were really? going to fire him, and he threatened to sue HR. I know another guy who's a CDL truck driver. He worked for Old Dominion Freightways, and he's like, "Hey, why are you taking? You know, I I, I don't work for wages." And mm-hmm. he he went through the whole thing. In fact, I, this guy I'm talking about right now is probably listening to the show. He's still a truck driver. Doesn't work for Old Dominion anymore, mm-hmm. but he's he works for a, a, a company. I forget what he told me. But anyways, uh, Clint, how are you? If you're listening, anyways, <clears throat> he um, and he's getting all of his pay. They don't, they didn't remove anything from his paycheck, really? and he, 
he basically did you have to send him a notice or something? Uh, yeah, he did send him notices. He mm-hmm. sent him the appropriate like uh, subcontractor substitute ten ninety nine or W nine you know kind of form. Uh, like so, you can substitute the W nine, and and actually I've done that several times with uh, contractors. Now m- my case, I'm sort of a, a valuable skill, so people they they'll sort of jump through the hoops because they want they they want my attention. Mm-hmm. You know, they want my time. Uh, I almost said service, <laughs> but you know they want my time. Your labor, uh, yeah, Your labor. Yeah. So, so, anyways, the uh, but I know of several scenarios where people have, you know, worked diligently, done their homework, did a bunch of stuff, and they go to the HR department, and finally, what happens is the lawyers in HR say, "Hey, listen, I, this guy's going to sue the crap out of us, so you just need to, you know, do exactly. what he, you know, do, do what's going on." And this is, you know. FedEx, Old Dominion, you know, Freightways. Uh, in fact, there was another guy that he just did this as an example with uh, McDonald's years ago in California. I forget mm-hmm. his name, but it was something I was in high school, you know, but listening to, a, you know, something about, you know, this guy doing this just with McDonald's just at, you know, as a point. And McDonald's paid him as, you know, $11 an hour or $8 an hour or whatever it without was. Taking taxes without out. taking any taxes wow. out. And they, they were like... Um, you know, uh, they were and they were difficult about it because mm-hmm. nobody there knows how to do that stuff. Uh, but yeah, FedEx it wasn't really a big deal, and Old Dominion Freightways it wasn't really a big deal for these guys. All right, so you so the for the viewers out there, what we're really describing here is something called the operation of law. All right, I want you to imagine a, a scene where you go into Walmart and you're wearing a hat, and we'll find out yeah. what that scene is coming up here in moments. Uh, and you can join us as well. Maybe you've successfully implemented some of these ideas. You have worked at these corporate jobs and have managed to do the things we're talking about. Uh, we'd love to hear your story as well. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Hour number three is coming up. You can join the show here on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the third hour here. You can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. Especially if you're somebody who has successfully gotten outside of the system, for lack of a better term, uh, opted out. We're talking about definitions of things from a legal perspective, and then other words that they're, they shouldn't be allowed to and they don't redefine. So, for instance, early on, we spoke about the right to bear arms, which is constitutionally protected, purportedly. But then they've created this other thing called carrying a firearm, and they've licensed that activity. And uh, here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Bear arms. And Jay Noon. And Barry, you're... Uh, I would say subject matter expert on these uh, these things. You've done a lot of digging, a lot of research on this stuff. You're a, a lot of it's coming off the top of your head as far as these different statutes and federal, state, etc. We talked about the difference between carrying a firearm, which is this licensed, regulated activity that only applies to people who are carrying out governmental, you know, duties Correct. essentially in the performance of their duties. That's yeah. the exact quote from three statutes. And uh, that's regulated, but yes. bearing arms is that, not regulated. That's an individual constitutional right and cannot then we, be licensed. And then we got into taxes right. as well, which 
and you guys both agreed on uh, on this point that uh, federal income tax is just a tax on federal income. It's not a tax on anything that you make, Correct. any uh, anything you earn by uh, doing labor, right. right? Right. In fact, I mean, it's not the federal tax on income. It's the tax on federal income. Meaning that... If you are working for the government, correct, you owe this particular tax. By the way, I'm not a lawyer. This isn't legal advice yeah. or anything like that. It's, this is just what you've learned. Right? Correct. And, it, and you can look these up uh, in your own statutes or your own time. But basically, let's say um, we're going to study uh, self-employment. Okay. In the Another code. Another legal term. Right? In the code. Exactly. Employment is. is a legal term. Legal self-employment term. Self-employment is a legal, is legal a legal term. term. In the code. And I'm talking IRS about code. IRS code, okay, section 1402. Is this Title 26? Title 26, 1402. It defines the term net earnings from self-employment. The term net earnings from self-employment is the gross income derived from any trade or business. And keep that in mind. Now you go to section 7701 of the IRS code, that's Title 26, and you look up the term trade or business, okay? And it says, a trade or business is the performance of the functions of a public office. Mm. Okay? Wow. So so net earnings from self-employment is the gross income derived from the performance of a public office. Hmm. Performance of functions of a public office. What kind of income can you get from the performance of a public office, ladies and gentlemen? Federal income. Federal income. Mm-hmm. So if federal income is what you get out of the performance of a of a uh, uh, you know, performance public of pu- public office, what does the word gross income mean? It means federal income. Therefore, now, you owe the tax. Therefore, you owe the tax. Under so, their code. So if you have gross income, if anybody claims that you have gross income, you become a taxpayer. And until refuted, you have to pay the tax on gross income. That's another thing. Uh, the uh, Henniker, you know, the town, when they send you property tax, they say uh, they, they refer to you as a taxpayer. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the public records requests I uh, put you know, to the town of Henniker is what evidence do you rely on that I am or what documents, uh, you know, what evidence, what documents and ev- do you rely on as evidence that I am a taxpayer? And they sent me back a copy of the deed right. to the property, hmm. which... It doesn't say I consent to be a taxpayer on there. It does. A, a, a taxpayer. It does. It does. It, well, How's my, that? The, the, well, I'd, I'd like you. I'd like to. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll explain to you how it works. Okay, and from Massachusetts law, and it's going to be exactly the same thing, by the way, because all the states are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It's on the deed because you didn't buy a house. You didn't see anywhere on that deed that says house. I bought a tract of land. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, okay. Fine. Did it say? Did it indicate that tract of land is is private property? I had him put that on a deed. Okay, I then. said okay. so. A grantor, the guy granted uh, me a spirit filled man and my wife a spirit filled woman mm. uh, a tract of land containing you know six point whatever acres. Yep. You know meets and bounds. Blah blah blah. And you know the lawyer wanted to put tenants in common. He wanted to put like you know all these words on here. Yeah. yeah. And I you know I also use the term uh, you know not uh, not for public consumption. Right. And, you know, cause I, I, because I plan on having this battle, okay. you know, with yeah, these yeah, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, one, one of the things that I've been sort of uh, researching kind of drives right what you've been saying right along here uh, is 
is a guy, if people are interested in learning about property tax stuff, his name is Steve Emerson. Yeah, check him out on YouTube. Uh, he's been talking about this for a long time. But uh, if you research the uh, process and procedure for tax title taking. So one of the things that happens is they convert your tract of land, which your deed says, all the deeds I've looked at say a tract or parcel of land, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they convert the tract of land into real estate somehow. I don't know how they do that. In fact, that's one of the things I'm going to ask them. Uh, how do you convert? How did you convert my prop, my tract of land into real estate? Because your tax bill doesn't say a tract of land; it says real estate. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's that's how they get subject matter jurisdiction right there. So, but also when you ask the tax assessor for the process and procedure they rely on to put a tax taking lien on private property that is a home for your family and it does not have any commercial business citizen and, okay. and, and a business yeah. citizen means a license like to operate a whatever uh, some kind of shop or you know so. a license to traffic alcohol or something mm-hmm. uh, so what happens is when people are sending these to these tax collectors but the tax collector is like well i got five days to respond to your public records request but what, what do you want to do? What are you going to do here? Well, I just want to know your process and procedure because if you actually read the process and procedure for a tax taking, it all has to do with um, basically properties that are, are engaged in some kind of business or trade or um, or like uh, have a license to operate a business. Uh, from what I understand, I haven't got into the New Hampshire one uh, too much yet, just a little bit. But I've listened to some guys talk about Michigan's, you know, um, Michigan, Florida, and a couple other states, and they all basically say the same thing. You know, they're all the same. Yeah, because we're all under a uniform commercial code. Yeah. So these these tax takings are only for commercial properties, essentially, and and yeah. and you know, and and things that have a business in it. But the problem is, is nobody challenges these guys. Mm-hmm. It, you know, is a big problem. Well, okay, again, uh, everything is subject matter jurisdiction, and yep. they have subject matter jurisdiction through your. Your deed, okay, maybe not your particular deed, but let's say the average deed. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm not going to know much about exactly what New Hampshire law says, but in Massachusetts, Mass General Laws Chapter 59, Section 2A, defines a residential property. And a residential property is defined as a rooming house or a bed and breakfast home. Yeah. That's a Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. And that's why they can assess your business. For its market value. By the way, the word assess means to to uh, to take, like like you know, to assess the. Um, it's a commercial act, basically. It's it's to mm-hmm. to define how much benefit you are partaking from the government, basically. And so, when you buy when you buy your house, instead of seeing the word house, uh, you will not see the word house anywhere. And again, right. that, that comes to back to the first thing that we started with today, which is how the words of the Constitution are to be read and defined, and why it is that the the words in the Constitution cannot be redefined. Right? Congress cannot redefine the words in the Constitution from which alone it derives its power to legislate. Eisner versus Macumbra. Okay, that's a 1921 Supreme Court case, and that's very simple. That's because um, certain words in the Constitution. For example, the word arms cannot be redefined. The word house cannot be redefined because you have a right to be secure in your house under the Fourth Amendment. Yep. Therefore, you cannot tax or, a, you know, you can't tax a house. So what do they say? They say, well, it's a type one residential right. property. And that's how they get subject matter jurisdiction. Um, the other word that may not be taxed 
uh, is labor. Okay, now labor is a word that's defined by Booker's Union versus Crescent City, 1884, by the Supreme Court, which is the property which every man has is in his own labor, as it is the original foundation of all other property. So it is the most sacred and inviolable. The Mm. patrimony of the poor man lies in the strength and dexterity of his own hands. And to hinder his employing his strength and dexterity in what manner he thinks proper without injury to his neighbor is a plain violation of this most sacred property. So labor is the most sacred property. You can't you can't be taxed on labor, you can't be taxed on where you live, but you certainly can be taxed on service and you can be taxed on your residential property because service means service to the United States, residential property means a rooming house or a bed and breakfast home. Those are running businesses. That's how the government gets us. Right. They convert words, common mm-hmm. words into statutory terms. By the way, there's a quote in the Bible. I, I don't I don't remember exactly uh, the 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 uh, the number, but basically it says, uh, I think it was uh, somebody asked Jesus, "How do we how do we attain the kingdom of heaven?" And Jesus said, "Look at that kid over there. See that young child. Be as innocent as that young child, and you shall certainly attain the kingdom of heaven." And what that means is, don't use their complicated words. Use the words that you were given and understood as a young child. Your father traveled to work in his car uh, to do labor, and you live in a house. You do not. Your father did not operate a motor vehicle to seek employment to receive new remuneration for services, so that he can live in a re- type one residential property. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, right. No, I get it completely, uh, and and I don't disagree. And I love what you're saying. I think you're putting it very clearly. Um, and this is, I think, one area, one area in which. The Free State Project really, I think, comes into play and should come into play here because the odds that we're going to convince the bulk of the people who have been brainwashed for generations on this. Their parents told them it was this way. Their grandparents told them it was this way. The school told them it was this way. And the media and the church and all these different groups tell them that you got to fit in the system and you got to do all this crap. And they, they use these terminologies, these legal terms like you're talking about. People are inculcated with this from day one. It's very, very difficult to break them out of it. If, however, we have a community of people who understand this stuff that we're talking about here tonight, if those people live in the same geographic area, then what will happen at some point, if there are enough of them, Yes. when somebody gets on trial for this, because as you pointed out, Bear, you can say stuff like this or try to say it, and it's not even going to be allowed in the courtroom, right? Like, it, you, you won't be able to address it. The federal court, in my case... In the uh, Crypto 6 case, the judge issued an order in advance saying there will be no discussion of jury nullification. We won't. We don't even let you talk about that. So you pointed you pointed out in your uh, case in Massachusetts, the judge down there wouldn't let you talk about any of this no. stuff either. So you know that the jurors aren't even going to be able to hear you make these points. Even if they did, they would probably reject them and send you up the up the river. But if somebody's on that jury that already gets it. They're already on board with right. you know independence and freedom and you know using the real words that we're talking about instead of playing in legal land. Then all they have to do is say not guilty, and they hang that jury right there and then. Doesn't matter if they can convince the other eleven people or ten people or however many people they need to convince. 
I think that's the, really the only hope because I don't see us turning around the whole country. It right. doesn't seem very realistic. We've got to gather together the people that get this stuff into one place. But one of the problems is a lot of the time, I mean, you guys named some names about some of these online gurus who who talk about this stuff. And I I love it when I hear about these these people, but I want to see the proof. I want to see these people in court. I want to see you know them try to put these uh, defenses on and see how it actually goes. I want to see something that's that is duplicatable that somebody right. can look at and say, okay, I can do that too. And a lot of these people don't have that information, and none of them are moving here to New Hampshire. Uh, the last guy that came here that had he he came to New Hampshire. This was probably. 12 years ago or something like that. He came in with all this talk about how he was a courtroom expert and he knew all the magic words that you got to say to, you know, get him to drop the charges. There's all these courtroom gurus out there, right? That oh, they, yeah. they claim they know the, the secret words that are going to get you to get out of the charges or whatever. And, and he came in, he moved out into somewhere and he didn't pop his head up at all. And then finally, six months later, he calls me up and he says, yeah, I'm leaving uh, New Hampshire, but I'm willing to stop by and tell you everything I know before I go out. And I'm like, dude, you never showed what you know. You can talk all you want, but until you've gotten, you know, gone downtown and gotten a parking ticket dismissed or something like that, you know, proven that you can do the things you say you do, you got nothing worth listening to. So we need we need more people who are actually the doers, who are not just the talkers, the people yeah. that are willing to actually put it on the line. And that's one of the things I really like about you guys is you put it on the line. I mean, Jay, Jay Noon, you don't know his history, Bear, but he actually lost his home in Massachusetts on a property tax uh, situation where mm. they literally stole his house from him. You are facing 18 months in, in prison for bearing arms on your own property, and you guys have put up these fights. And so that's proof. That's somebody who, it, even if it didn't work, you're somebody who believed something enough to actually do it. And, I'll tell you what did work. Yeah. I haven't paid federal income tax since uh, 2016. That's worth hearing and about. That, that, and the last time I paid it, they gave me all my money back plus interest. And that's the honest-to-God truth. All right? Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people. I've actually never even participated in that in that particular program ever. People Just never gotten into people it. should set their goal on something that's absolutely achievable. Mm-hmm. And getting out of the federal income tax is a one hundred percent lawful, legal, and achievable. All right, and 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 the way to do it is to understand the operation of law. Now we were we were talking about the ball cap situation. Right? Oh yeah, man, you were going, man, walking yeah. into Walmart right. and wearing walking, a hat. Okay, so here, here 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 let me give you the story here. All right. So you walk into Walmart, you're wearing a hat, all right, and then you didn't decide to buy anything, so you walk out. On the way out, the clerk stops you and says, hey, pay for that hat, or, or, or you know, you stole that hat, okay? Mm-hmm. And then so, so he's bearing false witness against you, right? Then he calls the cops, the cops come, and they're about to arrest you for theft, right, for larceny. So what's the smart thing to do? Is the smart thing to do is to yell at the cop and say, hey, you know, you're an asshole. I didn't. I didn't steal anything. Yada yada yada. No. Mm-hmm. What's a smart thing to do? The smart thing to do is to prove by by means of turning the finger of accusation away from you by by telling the cop that look the uh, the the store clerk is bearing false witness against you and putting the putting the onus on the store clerk 
um, to show them the video of you stealing something, which right. didn't happen, right? Yeah. So now I want you to apply that same line of logic uh, to the employment situation because what happens is a man works for Walmart, but the Walmart acts as the store clerk and says, this man performed services and got paid wages, meaning he got federal income, Okay. So, so they're bearing Walmart, false witness. Yes, exactly. The Walmart uh, you know, manager in this case is bearing false witness against you. So it doesn't make sense to fight the IRS who then comes and asks you for your money because the IRS is essentially the cop in the first situation, right? Mm-hmm. The, the cop that comes in to, to arrest you for, for allegedly th- stealing something. So it doesn't make sense to attack the IRS. What you got to do is you've got to attack the man who's bearing false witness against you. So now, in the uh, case of of Walmart, yeah, they're not purposely doing it. He's not making it up, right? They, like, no, they are. Do they know what they they're doing? They know because they they they've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, the whole damn system is rigged, and they know it. Not mm-hmm. everybody knows it, but I guarantee you that the top attorneys at Walmart know exactly what's going on, and so they need to be sued. All right. So if you're a Walmart employee and 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 you 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 have a legitimate case, you have a legitimate case because they've they've borne false witness against you. They allege that you had uh, been paid wages, which is remuneration for government service. Okay, and that did not happen. And because they made that accusation, they're subject to prove what they assert. So what you would do is you would do a discovery on them and say. Show me all the evidence that I performed a government service and that you paid me government wages. And they can't do that, obviously. Mm -hmm. Then you go to summary judgment. All the facts have been agreed to through discovery. And you you do a summary judgment against Walmart or whoever that the quote-unquote employer is, all right? And you say, these guys, having borne false witness against me, caused the IRS to come in and and you know to try to try to take take money from me or whatever. In fact, join the IRS. A- ask them to come in as a co-plaintiff. After all, they're supposed to enforce the laws of this country, right? They're enforcing the laws the f- the tax laws of the United States. The tax laws of the United States does not include a tax on your labor. The tax laws of the United States include a tax on the remuneration received for services. Is that correct? So that's what you ought to do. And a lot of people who do that, as as uh, as Jay was just saying, they got all their money back. Or their company has uh, basically effectively left them alone and paid them a, a normal uh, sum of what they're worth. They were paid for their labor. I would think if you sued the company you work for in court, they're just going to get rid of you. They're they, not going to want to deal with that. that. That's true. That is true. And mm-hmm. that, that's 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 a point where you say, look, are you are you going to really fight that because you're you're going to you know essentially bite the hand that feeds you, right? But also, you don't want to feed the mouth that bites you either. In the case of the government, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to feed the mouth that that takes from you. So. Is there a way to do it without bringing a case, so, a so civil case against your it, employer? It would have to be. It would have to be like a lot of people doing it, perhaps at, at a um, at, at a collective level. What do they mm. call it? A, a class action class suit. Action. But but even but, like my friend Clint, for example, he's like, here is an example of a lawsuit I'm going to file against you guys. Yeah. For discrimination. This is the Fed, Fed, Is this FedEx? This or? guy worked for Old Dominion Freight Lines. Okay. He works for a different company now, and. Mm-hmm. He's like, I am in 100% compliance with everything. Uh, you know, he's like, I'm not here to earn a wage. You know, I'm a laborer. 
you know, my time is my value. You're, it's an equal exchange for you know the, right. the money you give me. I am not, you know, getting a profit or, or an income. Mm-hmm. I'm not a corporation. You know, uh, I have provided you with all of the relevant documents. Uh, you, I'm giving you, you know, 21 days to cure this, to, uh, you know, consult with your legal team, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, and, and he just basically sent them a whole packet and, mm. uh, within three or four days, uh, they responded to him by certified mail saying, uh, yeah, you're all set to work. You're good. Wow. This um, was before he started with them or in the while midst he of... was working with them. Okay. You know, so basically so he changed his status in the m- middle of working for this. Um, okay. I, I think yes. Yep. So they didn't fire him. They actually said, okay, we'll yeah. move forward. And, and, but he was like a really polite guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't hostile. That seems like a good way to approach him. Absolutely. So going to the courts, just yeah. send him a notice, a packet or whatever. Okay, right. Give Who did he send it to, to? Like corporate, the head office? Uh, HR. Human resources. <laughs> human resources. Okay. Uh, there's more coming up here. If you want to weigh in, maybe you have had some experience at this. You're welcome to share your story. 603-283-6160. There's more Free Talk Live coming up. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. If you're tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar, you can live your life on Dash with some handy websites like BitRefill, who's been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. And what about paying your bills, though? Spritz.finance can do that. And they can even send dollars into your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. So Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies, and it's widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol. Check that out if you haven't yet. And in multi-crypto wallets, it's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending 32 Dash per month here to Free Talk Live for us to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. Let's go to your calls and thoughts. We have Kadu on the line. Kadu, you're on here with uh, Ian, Bear Arms, and Jay Noon. Hey, Ian, I got a special treat lately. I finally got around to reading that book, uh, Market for Liberty by the Tannehills. Oh, yeah, it's a great book. Uh, but the other night, the other night, I just didn't really feel like reading, so I typed into YouTube, you know, Market for Liberty audiobook, and then mm-hmm. what did it say? Market for Liberty, narrated by Ian Freeman. I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did that. Uh, it's probably been like a decade ago, but yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, you did a good job Thanks. as well. Uh, but I wanted to talk about Skeeter's ideology and... Um, I don't judge people too harshly if they've they've paid into the system, paid some taxes, and, you know, they want to drain the system or at least, you know, get some of their money back. Uh, And, you know, his whole idea is you're going to tank the system by uh, stealing all their funds or whatever. But um, the problem with that is, like, this is not just a practical battle against the state. Uh, this is, you know, an ideological battle. So I think he's really missing the point. It's it's not just the fact that we want the state off our backs, like in the short term and in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's uh, we want to change the ideas. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think we're talking about here tonight. People need to change their ideas, the things that they the, the terminology that they use unwittingly using the state's terms, sort of consenting into their system and their mindset. We have to set people's minds free before they can manifest that freer world. We were talking earlier about the manifestation of mm-hmm. what people believe in. And we have to have not only those free minds, but we have to have a concentration of those free minds because we got a bunch of people all around the planet that understand these things, that believe in liberty, that get the concepts we're talking about here tonight. Hopefully we've added a few more tonight by having this conversation, or at least we've started some people down that path. But the path should, at the very least, if not end, come through New Hampshire for those who understand these things so you can actually find a community of like-minded people. Because it is a lonely existence to be the one guy in Connecticut or California or wherever it is you are that actually thinks this way, to have absolutely no one that you can connect with, to have no one that you can talk to that you can, you know, uh, have a conversation with and actually understand one another without having to, under, you know, explain the the basics of freedom. So I think it's just so important to get those people together. And I think that's why the Free State Project is the most important project in our lifetime. And in New Hampshire here, we can approach our state representatives. Uh, a couple of weeks sure. ago, I went to the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance uh, Summit that they have. Right. Every and year they bring uh, selected legislators together to talk about what they're going to file for the next upcoming year. And I can tell you, uh, pretty much everybody at that event, including all the state legislators, were pretty fired up about the DCYF situation. Mm. And headline each- to, headline tonight, uh, YDC victims frustrated by lack of AG prosecution. People at the Youth Detention Center who were abused by, you know, rapist guards and that sort of thing are upset because, surprise, surprise, the government's protecting their own. But they're putting a lot of effort into prosecuting my wife, for example. Mm-hmm, sure and are. So, but the, the, the state, you know, I'm like, hey, guys, I'd like you to do a bill to abolish DCYF. And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we'd really like to do that. And, and they've gotten so many complaints about DCYF. But one, one of the things that is happening, uh, there is actually going to be a family law committee hearing. Uh, so if you just um, you internet search New Hampshire General Court family law committee hearing, they haven't scheduled a date for it yet, but I'm actually putting together uh, an affidavit for the family law committee hearing, and I'm going to speak in front of them. I'm nice. going to testify at that committee, and I and there's also there's a whole bunch of other people planning on testifying at this committee mm-hmm. with uh, with their horror stories of DCYF. And another thing, if you guys want a sign that says "Abolish DCYF," a yard sign, I'm going to do a sign making party. Cool. So we're going to be doing Ernie Hancock style signs where uh, I have a friend right now designing a uh, graphic and another friend, uh, uh, Bill D, you know him, uh, mm-hmm. Ian, yeah. uh, he's going to, he will uh, make us the uh, the stencils. He'll make me several of them. And I'm going to, cool. ha- as soon as I have these, I'm going to announce a sign making party. And so we're going to start making signs and I'm going to send people home with uh, stencils and they can make their own sides uh, really easy. And if we can uh, get some, get a couple thousand yard signs all around New Hampshire that say abolish DCYF. I tell you, when I was uh, running for state representative and I held that sign that said abolish DCYF, I had so many people come up to me uh, to tell me their about horror stories, basically their horror stories and why they hated DCYF. And mm-hmm. almost every single one of them was a registered Democrat. Whoa. And, and they were like, 
They're like, I can't, eat, I can't vote for you in this primary because I'm registered as a Democrat. So aren't you going to run as a Democrat next and, time? Uh, <laughs> I would really like my, I, I, I am, I have many irons in the fire. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think it would be good, especially in my town, because it's a college town. Mm, and what's right. awesome about New England College is most of the kids that go there come from some city, mostly New York City, New Jersey area, uh, Philadelphia. Yep. So when I talk to those college kids about DCYF, they all know somebody or have personally had a bad experience at DCYF. Oh, in fact, okay. I couldn't find anyone. I have yet to come in contact with somebody who defend the actions of DCYF to my face. Wow. I, I can't find anybody. So if you want to abolish DCYF sign, you can email me, j at jnoon.com. That's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E. And I, I presume will you should be in New Hampshire for this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but if you're not, I will send you a PDF file of the graphics. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And all you got to do is find somebody who's either got a laser right. uh, or, 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 or a router. You can make these things out of, you know, wood, plastic, whatever, these stencils. And, um, you know, you can uh, do it. Any other thoughts you want to share tonight? Could do. Brother Ian, Brother Jay, Brother Guy, I don't know. Have a good night. Bear Arms is his name. Thank, Thank you for you. the call tonight. Thank you very I much. Do. Appreciate it. Uh, if you want to join the show here, we do still have time for you. The number is 603-283-6160, talking about you know the terminology of freedom versus the terminology of inside the system, the slavery, slavery system, for yeah. lack of uh, of any better term. Um, Jay, I know you wanted to talk about silver because we were uh, talking about you know getting out of the getting out of the system, and one of the most important ways you can do that is by not using their money. You know, this is a theme that we talk about frequently here on currency. Free Talk Live. Right, their their currency. Again, another right, legal right. term. Another legal term. Um, and yeah. so don't use the government stuff. Use the alternatives. Now, there's a bunch of choices. And uh, precious metals, of course, are very, very popular among the liberty community. A lot of people love cryptocurrency as well. We talked about Dash earlier at Dash.org. Uh, but what's another option for people, including well, precious metals? Another option is, uh, so you got your gold backs, which people are familiar with, and also yep. we got silver bits. So you guys might know Silver Dave, who's been an occasional co-host he here has, on yeah. Free Talk Live. Um, and he has uh, the silver barter bag available from jmbullion.com, the ultimate survival tool. This is the most important silver in your stack. You would use it to purchase basic essentials like a dozen eggs, from your neighbor or a basket of vegetables. One ounce of silver is too big. Yes, you pay a slightly yes. higher premium to buy 10 pieces of silver in an ounce than one. But <clears throat> yeah, uh, but when you go to spend it, you have much greater sum of money. And every time you make a purchase and you pay with just one single tenth ounce of silver instead of an ounce, you save 90%. The silver barter bag at jmbullion.com. The idea is that you can actually... You know, make change with your silver now because your mm -hmm. one tenth silver has you know a melt value right now of like you know two dollars and forty cents or you know silver is about twenty four bucks I guess today, yeah. and but I, but it brings a premium just like the gold back. The gold backs are you know trading locally at about five dollars, and actually these silver one tenth bits, uh, a lot of people are trading them within the community at about at five dollars uh, because they're so useful and so usable, and you can get them at jmbullion.com. dot com. And Check it's it called out. what? Uh, the silver barter bag. Silver barter bag. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Very cool. I'm a big fan of the gold back. I, you know, use the gold back all the time. Of course, I'm pro pro uh, prohibited from using cryptocurrency under the ridiculous mm -hmm. bail conditions in the crypto six case. But uh, I was just at uh, Little Zoe's Pizza the other day here in Keene, and I paid with gold backs for uh, for a hot 
piping hot delicious pizza. So and at what rate are they were they exchanging the gold backs? Four, four bucks, whatever four the, bucks? whatever okay. the yep. rate is. If you go to goldback.com, there's like an official kind of rate that they they put on there. Obviously, that's that could be subject to negotiation, but most people just accept that yep. that rate, and that's uh, that's based on the average price that the retailers offer the gold back at as as i understand it they take several online retailers and they average them up but i've seen gold backs fetching more than that on sites like ebay for instance and of course if you've got gold backs that are of the original like 2019 series i i suspect those would probably fetch more as like a collectible value but yeah i actually bought hay off of a local farmer uh two weeks ago i guess now i paid him in gold backs and in the silver bits that's sweet and in some dollars Uh, to to settle a deal well i just you know (laughs) i brought you know he only he wanted you know x amount of gold backs and he wanted x amount of silver and it was you know there was a couple hundred bucks left over so Mm -hmm. and i didn't bring any more with me really right and uh you know gave him the cash and you know he can't buy diesel fuel yet for uh you know for for gold and silver but not yet, Someday. but he if he's into if he's into crypto, and I don't know some of these guys aren't you know like some of the precious metals guys haven't quite come on board with cryptocurrency yet. But uh, as we mentioned earlier, bitrefill.com, they're not a sponsor. I just mentioned them yep. as you know an option for spending cryptocurrency like Dash. They've got some gas cards on there, so I, it's not every gas pump, it's not every you know mm-hmm. gas station or whatever, but certain brands I don't recall offhand what they are but i've looked at the list of the products that they have and i'm like whoa you can buy gas with cryptocurrency that's pretty cool and there's like a couple grocers on there as well again it may not be one in your area it's not it's not full on there yet but there are a lot of options for people if you want you know and and to some extent where there's a will there's a way right like if you want to create uh, a way to spend these alternatives and you put your mind to it you will come up there's already some amazing solutions that are out there and again, having that community of people makes things possible that would otherwise be impossible because you can find a guy who's willing to, to sell hay for uh, for gold and silver. You can find people who are willing to go and do labor at your house for you know whatever you're offering to pay them. And that right. is possible when you have people who are on board with your ideas. Yeah, the homeschool kids that I hire, they're like, they always want to get paid in precious metals or bacon. <laughs> Nice. They love bringing nice. home the bacon. That's awesome. They don't so, like the green paper rectangles as much, huh? Nope, nope. <laughs> nope Got to get rid of that crap. So, yeah. uh, so bare arms. You've you've talked covered a lot of really interesting information here tonight. Is there a resource? I mean, beyond downloading this archive and and playing it back and listening to it again, because a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff you probably should hear more than one time oh, yeah, to really yeah. really be able to to uh, to process it. Is there a resource where you learned this from, or where you might point people to? Uh, to expand their knowledge on these topics? Sure. Uh, let's go to uh, YouTube and uh, type in Secrets of Statutory Law. Statutory? Yeah. Secrets of Statutory Law, comma, part one, part two, and part three, and start there. Mm-hmm. Okay. How'd you get turned on to all this? What's your, you know, what's your history? My history is uh, I've I've grown up as someone who always seeks the truth. Um, I've Did been your parents a, encourage yeah. that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I mean, I mean, from from the very from from when I was a kid, you know, we got to find the truth of the matter. As a scientist, mm-hmm. right? You got to figure out what's right and what's wrong. As a scientist, so as a, as a thinking man, this did not make sense to me. This like, system, like this whole system, did mm-hmm. not make sense to me. 
But I stayed in this system for a long time, and you know, I went through many, many years of school, and uh, I did about uh, almost 15 years in the army. Um, wow, that's yeah. really in the system. That's in. That's really in the system. Yeah. That's correct. You've There's seen... a lot of guys that come out of the army, right? Basically, libertarians. Correct. Uh, because you know, we, it just doesn't have, make sense. We had a lot of time to think about a lot of hard things. Let's mm-hmm. just put it this way. And through my experience. Uh, I started to think about it, and it turned out that a lot of the stuff that we that we commonly exposed to is just purely uh, imaginary. It's fake. It's uh, pretend. By the way, that word pretend, you look it up in the uh, Declaration of Independence. Uh, it says uh, the king is subjecting us, subject subjecting us to a, a pretended acts of pretended legislation hmm. and putting us on trial for pretended crimes. Okay, that's what's happening in this uh, country Tell me right about now. It. That's yeah. what's happening in this country. Yeah, exactly. We're being subject to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, and we're being carried over to the seas, rather, uh, to be punished for or to be tried for crimes, uh, to be tried for pretended crimes. What, what does it mean to be carried to the seas or, or transported is that admiralty to the court seas? Court or something? It's or exactly what what, what it is. Law, Maritime admiralty. Law. The, the Declaration law. of Independence tells us where we are right now. All you have to do is read it, you know? And and same with the law. The law tells you what you need to do. And all God's blessings come from obedience to his law. So if you actually read the law and you actually obey the law word for word, then you should be bearing arms and rendering labor. And if you do that... You have all your rights. You have all your property. Nobody can tax you, but you have to do that, uh, you know, having studied all of it, having some knowledge. So I would I would recommend go to that video, those that video set called The Secrets, Secrets. of Statutory Law, mm-hmm. parts one, two, and three, and uh, yeah. go, go start there. Yeah. What do you think, Jay? Where... Uh... You know, where should people go to? I mean, I like that. Uh, I've uh, been researching all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, it's what, uh, you know, what Bear Arms is recommending sounds pretty good to me. One problem that you can do is you can sort of uh, get, you know, so get into too much of it. Right. Yeah. You know, there it, is a rabbit hole and it is very, very deep. It's and like, to some extent could be dangerous. I mean, there yes. are people out there. I mean, the website you mentioned earlier tonight uh, just at a just at a glance, you know, it, ha- it has my red flags up because they're talking about uh, dis- debt discharges, right. right? And whenever I hear about these programs or gurus or whatever, I always see cr- criminal charges coming to to people. Like, there's a lot of these guys, these people that have been talking about, oh yeah, you got debt, you can just wipe it away, and then oh. they end up in prison. Oh, so. Always, always be able to prove what you believe and what you assert. Right. As a scientist, that's always what I've been taught. If you think that, you know, your birth certificate is a, a form of hypothecation for your labor, then let's find the statutory and what's the proof proof right. for that. And I've if been you hearing can about that, that for years and I've never seen any. Evidence well, I mean, it. I think I think somebody's uh, can do the research and actually prove it. But I haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. And until I've done that, I'm not going to rely on it. Mm-hmm. But here's what I have done. I have done the proof for the federal income tax. And it is, in fact, a tax on federal income. 
And I'm a beneficiary of that knowledge. You've you've applied that knowledge. I've applied that knowledge since 2016 Mm -hmm. and have had absolutely zero problems. Okay? Have they ever even sent you a letter? Sure they have. And what happens then? So when they send you a letter, you reply with honor and you tell them the situation. Mm-hmm. And they invariably know that you you are you're in the right, and they don't they don't bother me. You tell them the situation that uh, people were bearing false witness against you, claiming you Correct. were earning wages. Correct. And- yes. And then you tell them, and then you tell them, look, because these people are bearing false witness against me, and because you, the IRS, has a duty to enforce the tax laws of the United States, therefore, if I take these guys to a lawsuit then you, the IRS, will be joined as a co-plaintiff. Would they want to be a co-plaintiff in that case? <laughs> Hell no, right? Mm-hmm. So guess what they do? They leave you alone. And they just stop writing to they you. They just stop messing with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if they ask you for stuff, they never they never impose anything that, that's, that's, uh, that's like, you know, uh, that, that they're, you know, legally con- of any consequence. When's the last time you heard from them? Uh, let's see. Was... Um, Give me one second. I can pull that up right now. All right. You said you've been uh, doing this with the IR or with uh, laboring for almost a decade, 2016. Right. They did get in touch with you at some point. I mean, has it been like a yearly thing that they bug you about this? Or so is it like you said, every to year, every year is a different year for mm-hmm. the IRS. Okay. So every year when you send them a tax return and they have a problem with it, they'll send you the same set of form letters. And so you just have to reply to the So you same. are sending them stuff. Yes, I am sending them stuff. Interesting. So so it's like it's like look, the the reason that happens and it and it makes sense that it happens is because every year somebody is bearing false witness against you. I see. Therefore, every year you have to the correct the record. Okay? I see. And, and that's by the way, the that needs definition to cost somebody a lot of money. Yeah. By the way, the definition of a taxpayer is one who's subject to the tax, right? Think about it. That's there's a there's a problem with that definition from a common perspective, from a common like logical perspective. That is a tautological definition, which means a definition circular. that's circular in logic, which means it's a bullshit definition. Oh, sorry, man, you can't say that oh. on the radio. We are on broadcast radio, oh, sorry, so dude. <laughs> when in doubt, uh, leave it out. <laughs> okay. What were you saying there without using the uh, term? It, it is a fraudulent definition. Okay. Okay. And as a fraudulent definition, we have to think: How can it make sense? Well, it makes sense. It does make sense. A taxpayer is one who's subject to the tax because someone is bearing false witness against him, and that is what makes him subject to the tax. Unless it's rebutted. Unless it's rebutted. So, in fact, we are taxpayers at the end of the, at the, end of the year because somebody is, in fact, bearing false witness against us. And we cease to be taxpayers when we properly rebut that presumption. I wonder who would be the one bearing the false witness in the case of property tax, would it refer you as a... Uh, that would be the assessor. That would be the assessor, okay. That would be the assessor hmm. in his or her personal and official capacity. And he or she needs to be sued. And she or he or she needs to be put, uh, um, sent motion, uh, motion or, or demand for admissions. For example, admit that my property is private property. Admit that my property is not a bed and breakfast home or a rooming house, etc. And then say, what evidence do you have that my private property is a bed and breakfast home or a rooming house? Mm -hmm. And if they can't answer those in 30 days, according to the law, those are automatically admitted, which means you go to summary judgment 
and you say to the court, listen. These are the facts. These are the facts. It's been admitted. They're in the wrong. Now, now, you know, give me my relief. I like that. That sounds like something we should do in the future here. Well, we Very have soon. to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to straighten this out. Right, we have to straighten it out. We got to set the example, document mm-hmm. it so people can follow it and go along with it. And, you know, I, I got... I got 30, 40 people, you know, right, right, right in a, you know, Henniker and Ware that would all jump right on this if they could just see it worked a little bit, you know? Yep, so absolutely. I definitely want to well, make this should, happen sometimes. They should all jump in and, and write the same letter. Yeah. You know, there's, there's power in, in numbers. You yep, know, if you're the time. only one doing it, you're not, you may not get anywhere. But if half the town is asking the assessor these questions, then maybe the assessor would have to answer them. You know, they'll be more than more than right. compelled to. Yeah, you're probably not right. going to get to half, but I mean, if you could get one percent, that yeah, would be a even, start. Even a few, even yeah. a few. I mean, it, it, with with respect to property, you know, some of these towns they have like one or two properties that are worth millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So if one of one of these people decide to to start asking some tough questions, then you're going to have the assessor uh, in the defense and in the defense. Right. right, right. Yeah, they're going to be scared. They're going to be scared. That's where they should be. <laughs> right. They should be. We're coming after you. We the people want the law to be enforced properly and we the people want to see justice. We want the truth. You know? And if you agree, then check out New Hampshire. If you're a liberty minded person, if you are somebody who believes in freedom, you're a voluntarist, you're a liberty loving anarchist, a libertarian, and you want to make a difference, you gotta get around other people. You got to get into the same area as people who are like you. So check out that Free State Project. They're doing great work. Um, I hope we're going to get to talking maybe uh, Saturday night or something about library. Just a quick update: the library lawsuit that they lost to the SEC. They are appealing. The news just came down about cool. that today. It wasn't expected nice. that they were going to appeal, but they are appealing it. That got filed in federal court. And uh, I gotta reach. I've reached out to Jeremy Kaufman. Hopefully, he'll come on and comment at some point. We'll see you later. This is Free Talk Live. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing. But there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com. 